This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance, Australia's leaders in sports micronutrition. Head to pillarperformance.com.au to learn more about their formulations for joint longevity, recovery and energy. Welcome to episode number 203 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Coming to you a bit late this week, uh, yeah, a few dramas, not dramas, few change of dates, few clashes, meaning we're recording at 12.30pm on a Tuesday, which is new for us because we're usually 7pm every Monday night. So this should be interesting, loaded show coming at you, some running news, thanks to Patreon supporters, uh, listener question, Moose on the Loose, and we will have an interview of some sort at the end there. Welcome to my co-host, the only man in the world, I was thinking, that has won the Christchurch Half Marathon and been a finalist in the Australian Fashions of the Field competition. Bradley Croker, join us from Canberra. Welcome to you. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yeah, I don't reckon anybody's done that double before. No one definitely <laughs> has done that double. It's amazing. That sounds like a triathlon category. <laughs> yeah. I reckon if you did a triathlon, they would give out awards for that. Yeah, or, or a prize for the first redhead with blue eyes across the line. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you get an Australian singlet for that. That's a pretty oh, kind of. A, it's a high. A ach- it's a high achieving kind of double though. Like you're high achieving in two different um you hey, know, aspects of life. Let, let's uh, let, let's let's not points. tell. Yeah, and let's not uh, mention. I mean, Christchurch. Christchurch is hard to win. That's probably only two entrants from the ACT in the uh, virtual fashions mm. on the field comp. D- don't want those details. Keep those <laughs> ones out of it for sure. But Christchurch is a hard race to win. We'll give you that one. My other co-host joining us from Anglesey was just telling me off air that his favourite chocolate is old gold rum and raisin and his favourite 90s band is the Backstreet Boys. Welcome to the show, Julian Spence. A few surprises there from you, actually. What the fuck are you talking about? That was good for me, <laughs> wasn't it? I'll come, in, I'll come in loaded at age. Brad, you didn't miss anything, actually. Is, is were... that correct, is it? No, I don't, I don't like either of those. Oh, I thought they might have been... Rum and raisin? Rum and raisin's good, a bit of old gold. That's where I got that idea from. No, the, the best chocolate at the moment is the Kit Kat bars, the dark chocolate ones. You know, it's like a chocolate, it's like a um, block of chocolate, but you just have, it's like a massive Kit Kat, but it's dark orange. It's fantastic. What about the Kit Kat with the aero inside it? You know, there's like aero bars yeah. and Kit Kat chunky. No, I've had that. Yeah, I had that the other day. That's pretty good. That's really okay. good. Yeah, I'll put it on the list. Put that on the list next time you're at the supermarket. Be, be sure to go get that. Um, what have you been doing, Moose, down in Anglesey? Yeah, so it's surprising how busy I actually am, even though the store is closed and the town that I live in is locked down. So it's it, it, you'd think, oh, there's so much time. I bet you're just watching movies. I'm like, I, I woke up today and I basically went to work as soon as I woke up. There's just so much stuff to do. I don't know exactly why, but there is. Um, so busy. Yeah. Trying to get it all done. Obviously, like any day, like within... I think it's 10 days now 
of freeze due date and I don't want to leave anything outstanding that I can't like that I have to go back to if if things just start popping off like so there's always a bit of urgency at the moment well that's why I thought last night when you said you couldn't do the show I'm like oh he's heading to the hospital this is it it's happening do you think that croaks Nah, I knew because remember he said he was um oh, yeah. he was working at the time. shop. Yeah, stock yeah. take did a big stock take. Took us five hours and then worked out we we're only four hundred dollars off what was the original number anyway. So it's it kind of a waste of four five hours, but you don't know until you do it. So what? That obviously I used to do that at the supermarket, like you count and how many things you got on the shelf to see if it matches up with the books. Pretty much. So what? Exactly you lost that. lost a couple of pairs of shoes. Oh, there's always little like anomalies, but yeah, say like yeah, a shoe. It's not like it goes missing, but someone has a defective, you replace it, you don't scan it out, or um, if someone returns something, it might not go through the system. So you get one thing that you're not supposed to have, and you give one away you're not supposed to have. It's it, when you're busy. There's there's always some things that that don't add up or line up. So it's more like of an admin error. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Do you ever had yeah. any shoplifters in there? Anyone tried to like pinch something before? You chase them out of the shop? Um, nah, we haven't. We've had some real randoms in our store, though. <laughs> some real randoms, like because we are opposite the psych hospital, and they they like the patients there get they might get like thirty minutes a day where they can just sort of go off and and wander, and um, a lot of them wander into our store. <laughs> uh, sometimes they have nurses with them, like helpers, and then other times they're just out for a walk. Um, and so that's always interesting conversation. Yeah, good on them. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. It's like a. It's not like a, like a home or anything. It's like they're there because they've just had an episode. Or so there's, they're pretty. Um, they're sometimes they're really drugged up, and then sometimes they're like you get a bit more, conversation out of them. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you yep. want to tell us about your uh, running week, your recovery week. What have you been doing the last seven days? So, yeah, it's again not running, but progressing. The um, was I cycling yet when I talked to you last week? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, so that's one big development. I got on the spin bike. I think I actually got on on the Monday and did like five or ten minutes or something, um, and. So it's progressed now where I can spin um, and I can just do a, do a proper workout on the spin bike. So I, I get out in the, like the bungalow out here and it's pretty warm in there. There's no airflow. So it gets quite hot, bit, bit harder work, bit more stress on the body. And I've just been doing a few spin classes. Well, my own spin classes. So I, um, so I did the other day I did like uh, – one-minute efforts and then 30-second efforts and then 15-second efforts. And I got up to – I got my heart rate up to a, a maximum that I've never really even had running. That's that's how hard it is out there. Like, I, we've always chatted on this show about how it's hard to get your heart rate when you're up when you cycle. Well, not on a spin bike. <laughs> Maybe out on the roads it is, but on the spin bike it's quite easy and it's really difficult. Uh, but that would yeah. you being a bit unfit also contribute to that? <coughs> yeah, that yeah. would help. Yeah. That would help get the heart rate up. But like, it's it's really difficult because your um your perceived efforts a lot higher because you're not very good at the activity you're doing. Mm. So everything feels difficult, and your muscles they're not strong 
in the spots where they should be for cycling. So your perceived effort's a lot higher and your fatigue, your leg soreness and everything higher. Um, but your heart rate or your, yeah, your heart rate's, I guess, lower normally. But this one here, like now it started to correlate a little more with my effort. Uh, but it, it works on my muscle strength and it develops more mobility in my knee, knee joint. And I get to sort of start working on the aerobic fitness again. So that's been good. Yeah. Uh, what else have I been doing? I got out with the group on um, Sunday, so long run, jumped on the bike and the mountain bike and we went over a really hilly route uh, through Aries Inlet. Funny story, the, um, you know, Lockie Barber? Yeah, one, MTC guy. 147. One Gold Coast 10K a few years ago. Yeah, so he's he's had some, some injury troubles and he, he showed up wearing his Nike team kit. Uh, ready for the long run and then was off the front the first few kilometers up the hill bounding up him ahead of everyone 50 meters in front and then we got to a, a decent hill later in the run and he had to stop and walk and everyone went past him <laughs> uh, just the days you live for as a as someone who loves a long run <laughs> um so yeah that was and that he, was and he did like 20k going by his strava compared to everyone else's did a bit more yeah correct he was he was 20k uh some most people did like 24 to 30. it was pretty hilly that hill went for like 6k <clears throat> um so he had blokes passing him like three hour marathoners passing him <laughs> up the hill and uh yeah that was i guess a bit of a, a nice little wake-up call and just shows sort of what running in the bush is like and how different it is from running around the city i think but yeah that was that was a good group we had about well, we had 10 people that's max you're allowed a few other stragglers might have joined somehow along the way but great great run we we went out the back of Aries and down on some trails only one bloke went down big jimmy friend hit a rock and went down hard um you might have seen my strava picture did you see that yeah i did yeah very how good's that photogenic of you how good is that picture that was just like whack the brakes on the bike pull the phone out of the pocket and just start snapping just nailed it. But you were like like 20 metres like on the other side of like the track by the looks of things. Yeah, it's like a switchback. Oh, okay. Like, so you yes. rode ahead or you were behind? I was behind. I was behind. So yep. you can still like with that single track and stuff, can you still join in on the conversation or everyone's kind of single file? Nah. The conversation is only either the person in front or behind you. There's those sort of single tracks, there is no group chat. It's just too hard. But the, that was only for about probably 4k of it and the rest of it was more open road where everyone was chatting along pretty good what about oh. uh ben monaghan he's down there as well on this strava run you, yeah you're like, you're like the fifth best runner in this group now no Lockie, I t- Barber, I said this... ben ali gunther you i'd have and as soon as ben rocked up i said ben you, you might be fast but no one gives a fuck about track running down here it's all about the marathon and if you haven't done a marathon then you can join the back of the pack <laughs> <laughs> but no, he rocked up in a pair of tracksuit pants and a long sleeve top. Uh, no one really knows why he did that. <laughs> but halfway up that 6K hill, when the sun came out, he was he was just very much regretting that decision. Uh, but yeah, good to have another one around that can um, like sort of increase the increase the amount of elites in the group. Is we'll this to um, try to like rebuild Geelong to get us out of Divi two next year? No, I don't think so. 
this is just about Surf Coast Track Club, mate, and just pushing limits, providing like some more excellence within the group. Anyway, so, so you're recruiting but, these guys, or how they no, coming, no, ben how asked they coming to in? Run with the group. He he he's moved to Anglesey. He asked to run with the group, and so I, I said, come along. Um, the, 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 like everyone knows the policy, the no dickhead policy, and and he passed. He's not a dickhead, so. He can keep coming. And Lockie Barber lives down there somewhere, doesn't he? Ocean Grove or something? Ocean Grove, yeah. He's borderline on the dickhead policy. <laughs> uh, nah, Lockie's all right. He, um, he's in Ocean Grove now, so he lives in Melbourne, but um, he's moved back since, like, all the lockdown or whatever. So, yeah, he's coming back from a uh, hamstring surgery. And, you know, he got quite good. He won the Gold Coast 10K yeah. road race that I, time. I was so in he that was, race, yeah. He was good. Yeah, he flogged you. So yeah, he absolutely. Was, he was pushing some limits in terms of like longer distances than an 800 at some at, at towards the end of when he got injured. So he won another race too, didn't he? There was something else on the roads he won. Can you remember Croaks? Mm, no, I'm not sure. But yeah, I know he had that good sort of road season. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, tell us about 20, the 29, 2019 it was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was that wet year at the Gold Coast. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was 2019. Yeah, he did something else. I'll try and find it while you're talking. But anyway, he'd be a good addition to your team down there. He's Melbourne Track Club, though, isn't he, as well? Uh, he is, yeah. So I think, like, it, he, he runs in Fernie for long runs. He's just out of shape. That's all that was. I give him a hard time, but he's just out of shape. And sometimes you forget how out of shape you are. Beautiful. So that's your week. How's the knee feeling? It feels pretty good. I think I'm allowed to run towards the end of this week. We just... Yeah, I'm That's nearly exciting. back to that that walk run sort of setup. Um, we'll we'll see. I'm doing squats now. I was booked in to go to the gym yesterday, but obviously that shut. So I've got a I've got a squat rack here that I've been doing some and doing all the little physio exercises. Really, just making sure like that's 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 my day. I just I get an outlet when I do the physio stuff. That's my my exercise, and and it goes for an hour or so. Uh, I just treat it like everything I'm doing is going to get me back to running faster and better than before even if it's like mind-numbing little physio quarter squats or um like band work or whatever that's just it, it's actually enjoyable at the moment very good Lockie yeah. Barber won the Sydney Harbour 10k in that same season that's what I was thinking of Croak tell us about your week uh yeah so I didn't run Monday um took that off Tuesday, I went down to the synthetic ovals and um, wasn't sure how long I'd, I'd go out for, but um, yeah, it ended up being a reasonably enjoyable run. Did about 30 minutes in one direction and then uh, 15 or so uh, in the other. So 11K, um, 412s, uh, not sure how accurate that is, going around a 500 meter oval. Um, then Wednesday, just 46 minutes out at Mulligan's, 4.19s. Uh, I didn't run again on Thursday, uh, so I had treatment in the afternoon, and by the time that finished, it was pretty late. So, and had a, um, a mate's birthday where we had like a bit of a Zoom a Zoom trivia night, which was a bit of fun. So, yeah, no run Thursday. Uh, Friday, it was his birthday, so I had a rare morning run. I, I actually can't remember the last time I did a, a run in the morning. It's been... Yeah, I haven't certainly haven't done one since lockdown. Um, so I went out at nine o'clock, and yeah, perceived effort for the morning run was was pretty high. Like I just 
took a long time to really sort of loosen up. So I did an hour, four sixteens. Brady. Yeah, is, 9 a, is, is 9 a.m. part of the morning still? No, I don't know. <laughs> or is that early afternoon? Been at work for an hour by then. <laughs> well, it has a.m. after it, so I'm guessing it's still the morning. Gee, that's hard life. <laughs> that is hard for you. I, I mean, I feel for you, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but it was like, now I know why I run in the afternoons now, though. Like, it wasn't that, it wasn't that much fun compared to the afternoon runs. No, mornings um, are so much better. Oh, you feel not, so much better the whole day. Like, especially if you're going at oh, nine and you've been up since seven, your body's warmed up. How old are you again? I'll ask you in eight years. I'm, I'm, I'm with croaks on this one. No, I'm with croaks. Yep. Oh, yeah. but don't you feel like you just got this head fog the whole day when you're at work uh, and stuff? Yeah, look, there's times when, you know, like now, for example, it's one o'clock, haven't run today. I'm like, oh, it would have been nice if it had been all over. But I know that I'm going to enjoy the run more this afternoon than I would this morning, unless I did a shitload of activations and, you know, pretty much went for like a walk, um, you know, before my run. What about the smell in the air and stuff? Like give me a sun, sunrise over a sunset any day of the week. No, uh, I don't know. I just yeah, I just feel better in the afternoons. Uh, that being said, once the weather starts to warm up, I'll have to do more in the mornings because it'll just be too hot. Let's put we, let's put a poll out there. I reckon the people will be on my side here. Mornings. Oh, I reckon most. Hours. I reckon most recreational runners run in the mornings for sure. Are you um, not calling yourself a recreational? Yeah, he's a late moose. I'm calling. Yeah. You know, he's trying to get in a Melbourne marathon with his PB from a couple of years ago. It's two seventeen. Couple all, of years ago, mate. All, that's more than a couple of years ago. I'm not going to accept him, I don't think. We're all recreational runners, aren't we? Well, but I'd say the majority of people. Well, the majority of people run in the mornings for sure. They get you know get it over and done with in the morning. Get some endorphins before they go to work. Um, plus, I guess people that have full time jobs. It's probably easier to get it done first thing before work rather than have work go a little bit longer and then miss out on their run what about racing so we we're in a discussion at the moment as to like got a time trial coming up and we're thinking i said oh let's do it let's do it in the afternoon like late afternoon sort of early evening time because that's the ideal time to be racing i reckon um and then everyone was like no no morning yeah we want to race in the morning and i said no fuck no. What are you guys talking about? Have you ever raced at night? How much better you race in the evening, especially on the track, than in the morning? No, but all the races you do are usually in the morning. And no, it, and there's the no wind, track races in the morning. The wind. Yeah. Oh, you're doing a track time trial. I thought you meant on the road. But the wind picks up like later in the day most of the times. They drop off later in the day. Oh, late, like night time. Like is that? Is this science behind this? I reckon well, it I does. I reckon the wind. It's always windy. The wind right? normally. Yeah, the wind normally does die down more. Like you know sunset or just after dark why i don't know haven't you noticed that though well if only we knew a climate scientist who could uh, give us an answer on this i'm not sure if it's so you reckon it's never windy during the night no like it's not as windy well obviously when you get massive storms that come through it can be super windy at night but i reckon if you looked at the 365 days of the year and you looked at what the wind was between say 6 p.m. and midnight, I reckon it's lower during those hours than it is at 3 in the afternoon. No, nah, but it'd definitely be lower 6 a.m. compared to 6 p.m. Like, that would smash it. But I'm with you, Moose. Like, definitely, from a from a physiological point of view, I would run better in the afternoon or race better in the afternoon than I would in the morning if it was a, a shorter sort of track race. How short are you talking, Moose? What's the track race? Three, three to five... 
Yeah. So say it was 9am, you got up at 6, had a shower, went for like even like a walk or a 2k like shakeout jog or something. Like you'd be right to go at 9am. Why are you getting up at 6 if no. you don't have to? Because you got to you want to wake your body up. No, but if your race isn't, like you can pick. No, but if you race at 9am, if that's what you locked in, I'd be getting up at 5.36 to start going through that preparation time to get the body ready. Maybe, mm. you, guys just, of, maybe you guys just get up too late. The downside of track season is always the sitting around all day waiting to race. Um, but yeah. then on the flip side, like the good thing about the winter season and the road races is often it's over and done with early and then you've, you can go and enjoy the rest of your day. So there's pros and cons for both. But from a from a performance point of view, I'd say, um, especially for races like under 10K, afternoon for me would be better. Yeah. Yep. And I guess if you just um, go locally, like those night races always a pain if you've got to drive like two hours home. Yeah. Or stay over the night. Anyway. Uh, so Saturday, back to my afternoon, 4 o'clock. Um, did an hour out at Mulligan's, 4.10s. Uh, didn't feel too bad, actually. I actually bumped into... Um, Nipper and his girlfriend, uh, Marina, who um, she actually competed at the Tokyo Olympics in the modern pentathlon. So they were sort of just just leaving Mulligans as I was getting into it. Um, first time I've seen him out there, actually. And then Sunday, went to afternoon. So ran just before 4 o'clock, did 90 minutes, 4.08s for 22K. Um, yep, yeah, so only ran 72K for the week, so I took two days off. Um, yeah, like I sort of keep telling myself, oh, yeah, I'll start back sessions next week, and then it sort of rolls around, and I'm like, yeah, I'll just keep jogging for another week. Um, yeah, so not not super motivated to to start back solo sessions at the moment. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. It'd be like that. Yeah, I just figured, like, I just don't know, like, well, if I did start back, that would be super cruisy sessions because I just don't see the point in training too hard at the moment. Um, with you know probably nothing till next year yeah it's looking that way isn't it and i reckon you know western australia if i'm rolling between 80k and 120k a week of just you know aerobic sort of running with you know at least 90 minutes once a week um yeah you're going to keep in pretty good shape yeah you're not going to be race fit but you're not it's not like you're coming back from you know time off um yeah yeah, you'll keep that base there, and it'll only take you three weeks of workouts to be pretty fit again. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Um, I had a pretty easy week as well. So I was coming off that sickness. I did 8K Monday for 43s. Most of my running was, um, I just put the heart rate monitor on and kind of kept it under 130. In the afternoon on Tuesday, I just did 15 minutes. Like, I was going to have the whole day off, and then I'm like, nah, keep the streak alive. I don't even know what number my streak's up to, but I just wanted to go for a jog just to say I'd run for the day. So 15 minutes at 4.43s. Wednesday, I got out for 30 minutes at 4.34s. Uh, Thursday, I got out for 45 minutes. So you see a bit of pattern here, boys, just adding a few minutes every day at 4.33s. Um, and then I got to 60 minutes on Friday, 4.40s. About 126, I think, my heart rate average was for that one. Saturday, another 60 minutes at uh, 4.37s. And then Sunday, met up with Paddy Stowe. We went out to Barma. He had kind of like a 26K long run on. I was feeling better. Probably started feeling better when I put those two, like, 60-minute runs together. So, like, the Friday, Saturday, jumped in with him. Uh, did Went to do this loop that we've got at Barma. But it was just, like, super flooded. 
Do any of you guys know what's going on in the Murray River at the moment? I need an expert no, to write in. No, mate. So it's pretty, from what I can gather, it's pretty high in Echuca, but not like, not super high. And then we were running out this dirt track, and I reckon we would have been 5K from the river, and the, the track was just completely flooded. There was like a measurement thing there that said like it was a metre underwater. And it surely it couldn't have been from the actual Murray River. I think it's like in these catchment dams, like a few Ks up. And I know Cobram, like... They're, they're like well underwater up there because we've got the same river running through, but I reckon some of these lakes are catching the water, and then by the time it gets to Echuca Moama, it's not actually that bad at the moment. So, yeah, it stuffed up my loop. We had to kind of double back a bit. We ended up doing 26.8k, 407. Um, my heart rate average for that was like 144, though, so it was, um yeah, a bit high. It's probably getting to, to close to kind of tempo zones at the end there, but we're just talking a bit of rubbish the whole time. And, um, yeah, he was doing a lot easier than I was. And then, I'm, yeah, I'm feeling better now. Might try to do a workout at the end of this week. A bit like you, though, Croaks. Quite enjoyed doing, like, 80K, I think I did for the week, or 88K or something like that. Not having much, um, you know, stress or kind of time management trying to fit fit stuff in. It's kind of nice to have that for a while. And, yeah, kind of keeping that base fitness there as well. Um, good news. So- Good news in the border town that we're allowed to now cross into Echuca for for any reason, so we can do some do some daily life stuff again, which is good for us, because Echuca and Moama are both out of lockdown at the time of recording. So that was some good news for life. And then that Melbourne Marathon announcement kind of came out, which we can talk about that now if you want, because um, yeah, I kind of got that news and I'm like, okay, twelve weeks, I can get pretty fit in twelve weeks once I once I kick this sickness, but um. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not convinced. I don't know if it's it's totally locked in yet. What are your thoughts? Is that what you were going to ask me, Moose? Yeah, well, that that, that was the the thing. Like you, you're not motivated, but there is a race that mm. is being announced. Um, however, there's like a lot. I've I've been really interested in this announcement because so many people like have trained for races and it being cancelled. That I'm really hesitant in in getting people's hopes up for this. In, like prescribing big marathon blocks because i just can't see it like happening um even though it's announced and and obviously there's been consultation with the government around it it just seems like it would be a big jump to be able to allow a race like this or a, a mass participation event to go ahead like this based do you on think they roadmap. have had the gut because i like so the news is that they announced the dates changing um from their october date to december 11th and 12th um, the 10K would be on the Saturday and then the half marathon and marathon on the Sunday morning. But it kind of they announced this before the Premier of Victoria brought out that roadmap and then the stuff in the roadmap didn't really match up with um, like mass participation events happening no. in December. So I, when I saw this date before the roadmap, I thought, okay, they've had intel from the government and then the government's going to announce when they do their roadmap that we're going to have you know mass participation events, festivals, you know, but high kind of capacity people things maybe in December. But then he didn't really mention that. So I'm like, oh, it would have been, if he come out there and said that, I would have been like, okay, let's start, start training for a marathon. But yeah, I'm not convinced at the moment. And, yeah. I'm, and other I'm, things like, you know, they're still talking about having restrictions on how many people you can have over at your house for Christmas day. And yeah, it's like, you know, if they start, yeah. So if they're starting to talk about that, then, you know, a mass participation event finishing at the MCG with everyone mingling is, is you know, admittedly it's outdoors and not indoors, but surely 
that's a greater risk than having 30 people at your house. Um, you know, it, yeah, as I said, it doesn't really match up. So I'm, yeah, I'm sort of hesitant to um, suggest for people to start sort of, yeah. you know, I was going thinking, into full training, full marathon yeah, block. I was thinking over the next, like, three or four weeks, I just really concentrate on just trying to get the long run out a bit. Like, you know, I did 20, what did I do, 27 or 28K or something the other day, like try and get that to maybe 30, 32, 34 over the next three weeks. And then hopefully we know a bit more, but definitely yeah. staying away from those big marathon workouts. And then... Hey, um, I was just thinking, here's a, why don't you try this experiment? So oh, given yeah, given it's, you know, it's going to be a reasonably warm marathon, you'd imagine, um, you know, it's probably like I have no doubt that you'll run faster next year, you know, once we can travel overseas again and you can go and do your, your Berlins or whatever. But why not? do a marathon block where you train like how Moni used to train. So your sessions aren't, so you're not doing the super long marathon sessions, but you're doing, you know, you're doing it, you're doing this, like you're focusing more on, your, as you said, your long run and your midweek long run, but your sessions aren't super, super long. And yeah. Just, and, just a, see, and just see how you actually run off that as yeah. a bit of an experiment. I don't think I, I would get the amount of Ks in, that, like, but maybe still keep the Ks at like 150. Because like, wasn't he doing yeah. like 200K, like oh, a lot yeah, of jogging? I don't well, want to be yeah, doing that. Yeah, no, I'm not saying do exactly what Monet did. Oh, but like okay. in terms of book. what I meant was he didn't he didn't do the marathon-specific sessions. Mm. You know, his sessions were 20 to 40 minutes long, um, but there was a real emphasis on long runs, midweek long runs. Um, and so if you target – if you – have that sort of approach it means that if it does get shut down uh, melbourne that is you haven't really gone to the well yeah i like that croaks mm. i like that a lot from you thanks yeah it's a good one um yeah i might do that and then because my like jan feb is going to be pretty much wiped out anyway with this newborn so i'm happy to kind of yeah throw some stuff at it and then if i don't get to race i'm going to be in recovery mode anyway for a couple of months um I'm, 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 i did that once the changed the tack in terms of how i train for a marathon i'm just going back to it now i think it was um i think it was uh 2017 so i i'm just looking through some workouts that i did um in the lead up to that but it was much more tuesday like six by a k a couple of weeks out and then um saturday just had a race i was racing more back then as well so four by three K maybe as like the longer session that I did. Um, that's it. That's, uh, oh, where's another one? Did you do, um, how long did you go on Sundays? Like, did you get three hours? Yeah. So Sundays, like that was a 40 K run easy 41 K. Um, what'd you average? 36 K oh, per week. No, like per, what pace we averaging on those long ones? Oh, the 40k um, is like 420s and stuff over hills. 418 on that one. Um, that one was 434s. So yeah, it was just with a group, basically. Yeah, time on feet. Yeah, so 417s for 37, and you would make them hilly. So you would go pretty much as as hilly as as hilly as you could find almost, and and oh, run yeah. them steady. Yeah, so you're not going to be able to yeah. do that. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that was 40, like 41k easy. And then during the week, like the workout I did that week was 500s with a 500 jog and a hill course on Saturday and Thursday, four by a mile. So I was doing three sessions a week, um, sort of one on the track maybe, 
and then then a hillier tempo. So this was like classic kind of exactly what Mono was doing, um, and it worked. I I felt really strong on the day. Like that, I did, that was Melbourne when it was really windy, wasn't it? No, this was this was after. This was the next marathon that I did after. Um, it was what did I run like? Uh, I can't. I think I lapped the markers. Um, I just ran without anything showing, like without any splits showing, and I ran quite evenly. So, or a negative split as well. Like it wasn't that fast. I think average for the whole run. Um, what did I go through the marathon in? Let me just have a quick squeeze. Was that Japan? You went over to Japan and did one, didn't you? No, nah, this is Gradation Road. So oh, I ran okay. through two twenty-five, and um, like I felt good. Like this, this was by myself the the whole way, uh, and so it was kind of just a solo time trial type effort. 450 meters of climbing but i just remember at the end going hey there's multiple ways you can get fit for a marathon it doesn't have to be big long tempos and and progression long runs and all that it can be traditional as well yeah and the two and a half to three hour long runs where you're not adding like yeah they're not sessions are more sustainable than you know your week in week out of trying to do the the marathon specific sessions yeah i like um, those as well like you just put music in or a podcast or go with the and you can run with minutes yeah you can run with a group so the reason that i did it because i wanted to train with the group and i didn't want to because i was new to town back then i didn't want to just sort of go oh you guys are doing k reps well no i'm going to go and do this other session at the same time i wanted to to, tr- to get a group environment and that's that's why I, I did it and it, it seemed like like i loved the group atmosphere as long as you've got that long run in you're sort of i guess maybe it, you could have argued that i could have run faster if i did it differently but i was pretty comfortable out there and how i prepared yeah we'll see what happens but yeah you guys are telling people the same thing like start maybe doing the training to do the training but don't start doing the, the hard training yet yep exactly yeah. get the long run up let's just sit on it for a bit um you can still do you can still do work to prepare for a marathon without going crazy. Well, a lot of people have been doing like six, eight, ten months of good work anyway. Like it's there's a lot of people coming from good bases, so they've got to have a lot of trust in that as well. Is is it is it like a real trend right now to do the big specific stuff? And it's like, oh, it's not even worth training for the marathon if you can't do that, or it's not even worth running it. But I, I fully disagree with with that. Like. The specific stuff is only there for those that can really handle it. And most people, like, to be honest, most people can't handle it. Like, imagine doing a 35K progression run where you're finishing really solid and a lot of, like, say, 30K of it's at tempo effort and you only run 60 or 70K a week. Like, that's not that's not working for you. That's yeah. not how it should be done. Yeah. Um, and... And there's just it's been populated a lot by people's Stravas. So people are addicted to following athletes on Strava and seeing what they've done. And then if they have a good race, then they just follow or copy the program and go, okay, this must work for the marathon. It just doesn't work like that. And what's that saying? Like, closer to the fire you get, the more it's going to burn you? Like, yeah. And, and certain people can get closer than other people. Yeah, I'd say, like, it'd be great to look at Liam Adams training. I'd love. I'd be really interested to see his uh, like lead up to the Olympics and just all the workouts and the progressions on him. And I think people would be surprised to see that. Mm, that would be good to see. Let's thank some Patreon supporters. Hey, kick us off, Crokes. 
All right, I've got Gulud Ari Jonsson from Iceland this week. I uh, hope I've pronounced your name okay there. I did a little bit of research. Um, 10.27, he's run for 3K, 17.25 uh, for 5K, 35.47 for 10. Um, enjoys getting photos in front of waterfalls. And Brady believes that you watched... Uh, Train a Dragon, How to Train a Dragon 2 back in 2010. So, <laughs> good stat there, Brady. Uh, but yeah, thank you for your support. Hard to find much on Galoot. <coughs> Hopefully, I've got that stuff right. <laughs> Moose, who you got? Um, I've got uh, Jeffrey Kingsporn from, from Denver, Colorado. There you go. So, he ran the 2021 Breckenridge Brewery Half Marathon, won his 50 plus age group. In 131, that's solid. 131, 50 plus, very good. Does a lot of trail running and apparently is the senior assistant city attorney at the city and county of Denver. Hmm. So there you go. Big dog, isn't it? Yeah, big dog. Good to um, good to have a US patron as well. We don't see many of the US US come up on Patreon. No, no. Crack the US market. They might not get your um your humour, Brady. They wouldn't be able to understand a word I'm saying. Uh, they do think you're putting this on like it's a big joke. <laughs> your accent's like a, like, like this is a comedy show. Yeah, can you cough and clear your throat, Brady? Give yeah, it up. Yeah, that's it. I actually do have a bit of a cough at the moment, so there could be a bit of that going on. Even the guest I'm interviewing on the Sava, I sent him a message saying, like, if I ask you a question you don't understand what it is, just ask me to repeat it because sometimes I talk a bit fast and it's hard to understand. I want to thank uh, Ali Shinners from South Yarra. Uh, she runs for Collingwood, fellas. Strong... AV team. They've got a Divi 1 and a Divi 2 team for the females Collingwood club at the moment, which she's a part of. Last year, she ran a total of 2,000 Ks. This year, she's already at 2,500. So she's having a pretty good year of training. We've still a few months to go. Uh, she was pretty locked down on social media, but these are her estimated bests on Strava. 1959 for 5K, 42.49 for 10K, and 141 for the half marathon. So thanks, Ali, for your support. All the patrons over there. Who keep the show alive every week. Plenty of bonus content there if you want to support us. Keep the lights on. Help us coming out each and every week. Running Thank news, you. boys. Yeah, yeah, let's start off with Queensland. It's like the first half an hour we've been chatting about, you know, how we're in lockdown and there's <laughs> no motivation for races. But um, you forget that part of the country, it's life as normal. And there's Queensland 10,000 metre champs. Um, they were held on the weekend. So Tim Vincent from Gold Coast Run Co., uh, one in 28.59. Liam Bowden, second, uh, also from Gold Coast Runco, 29.31. And uh, Jude Thomas, who is an under 20 and broke a 47-year-old under 20 state record, ran uh, 29.49. And um, old Louis McAfee, uh, McAfee, the um, Steigen hashtag one team captain, he uh, paced for 5K. So uh, they reckon it was reasonably windy. Uh, in the women's, Olga Fasova won in 34.20. Josephine Orr uh, was second in 35.27. And Caitlin McQuilkin-Bell was third in 36.42. So, um, yeah, good to see races happening up that way. Mm. Is, is there been a race where someone's come away and not said that it was windy? <laughs> Ever? Nah, always. <laughs> I don't think wind. so. It's pretty easy to It's always wind. windy. How was it? Oh, yeah, a bit windy. The worst thing is uh, I put the weather up on Strava now. 
And you're like, oh, I swear it was windier than that. Like you put in your notes real windy and then it says like 4K an hour winds. It got hot towards the end. It's like 17 degrees. And what's funny as well, because I've got on my Strava two different weather um, stats and they're completely different. You guys... Well, the Strava one goes from when you start, though, isn't it? So when you start your watch, that's what the weather is. Yeah, but even then, I've got so I've got the Strava one, but then I've also got the Climate.app one. And, yeah, it's, like, completely different in terms of the wind. I, f- I find that that one's more accurate than the Strava one. How do you – yeah, it's probably stealing all your personal data as well. How did you get that, like, app on there? Uh, you had to go in and uh, – this was before – yeah, you had to go in and – Give me credit card details. No, not credit card details. Um, yeah, I don't know. I had to go in and click some button just to get the weather up there. So You've hacked it, haven't you? There's some kind of hack there. <laughs> I've imagine got no, imagine no having one. the time in your day to go and do that. Yeah, that's what happens when you run at 9 a.m. moose. You spend the rest of the day doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, don't know about that. Uh, next bit of running news, Tassie, they had a 5K road race down there in Hobart. Doug Hamillock got the win there, 14.38. Nick Earl second, 14.47. Sam Clifford third, 14.51. In the women's, Melanie Daniels was first in 17.02. Ebony Webb might have seen her photos before Fowler. She takes a lot of photos in the road race down there. She can also run because she comes second in uh, 17.28. Miriam Dowley was third in 17.34. Hadn't seen this event before, but um, yeah, it looked like a nice little road 5K race. I think they added a few Deweys. But yeah, some fast times. Good to see a few down photos. On the, um, down on the... Esplanade, or is that the water, right? What's it called down there? Oh, yeah, what Where is that called? That it's Constitution Dock area. Where they mm. finished the uh, run the bridge yeah. down through there. We definitely stayed there for Hobart. It's really nice down there. Yeah, it is pretty nice down there. What is it called? It's called something, though. Yeah, it's got a special name. Yeah. Remember, forget. Cokes, we went down there when we went to Hobart for the half marathon. Yeah, I'll just Remember. bring up the bring up the map actually tasmanians are just yelling at their ipods at the moment or iphones yeah. or whatever they listen to this on no one uses ipods anymore yeah, <laughs> battery point battery point no that's not it that's a suburb next to it like where they have a market and stuff down oh, there come on mate oh Salam- salamanca yeah that's yeah, it that's it salamanca that's, uh, yeah. that's it sounds like something off a bond movie doesn't it thanks to all the tassie listeners out there moose tell us about another 5k uh, the Fitzy 5K was in SA. They are, again, unrestricted right now, I think. So, Caitlin Adams won in the ladies, 15.33. That's that's moving for a, a road 5K. That's very impressive. Um, second place was Sarah Eckel. We're not sure of her time, neither with Brooke Hines, who was third. So, when we were recording, we didn't have official results. These are just from Nitta, who sent them through. Um, but yeah, fifteen thirty-three is pretty good result for a road five k, fellas. It certainly is. She's pretty fit, yeah. isn't she? She's been like, she's one of the athletes that um, has had probably. Oh, she tried to qualify, didn't she? Remember, she was doing racing like Townsville and stuff, and getting to Queensland. Yeah. But one of those ones that you're like, oh, if COVID didn't hit, and she's had like a year of like high standard races that she could get to against everyone else in Australia, she could have really taken that next step. But yeah. she's kind of probably just had to tread water for. 12, 18 months and wait for good competition to come back again. That's all right. Clearly, she's put it to good use from 15.33 is solid. Mm. Um, in the men's, Isaac Hain won in 14.01. He beat Matt Clark, the Olympian, in 14.13 and Max Stevens, third, 14.18. So some pretty solid stuff over there in South Australia. 
lot faster than uh, Tasmania, actually, for a similar 5K. Bet it was windy, though. Yeah, they would have smoked those boys up in Tassie, wouldn't they? Yeah, South Australia's strong, we know that. Yeah, um, and then the World Cross Country news that came out last week. Yeah, so they uh, postponed the 2022 World Cross Championships that were due to be held in Bathurst. They're now going to 2023, so I think this is the is this the second postponement now? Yeah, yeah, it is because it was meant to be 2020. Yeah. It was meant to be this year, and then it got postponed to 2022, and now it's being pushed back to 2023. Yeah. And that's that's on like the reason is because of the Australian restrictions um, into Australia, so like the, the closure of the borders, and so that's why it's been gone back one more year to 2023. So. Uh, Wait, the next one after that is what, 2023, later well, in the year? Yeah, well, that's the thing. So what do they do now? Just not basically have not have one for 2021 and then just go 2023 and mm. then the next one will be 2025? Who was supposed to have the next one? Oh, they, don't they usually announce it at the one? Oh, yeah, like, you know maybe. what I mean? Like when it was in Denmark, we figured out we were going to have the next one. Yeah, that could be it. So why didn't they uh, just move it? Don't you think? Like why didn't they just put it somewhere in Europe and then we could still send our team and they can come back and do two weeks, but at least the event could could happen. Would probably that be contracts, like contracts right? binding? Yeah, here? it's like it's such a deal. Like, it's, isn't it a bid and an applicant? It just seems like hard work to get one of these races. Like you have to put go through all the official channels for application and um, and then selection and then yeah, it'd be hard to just change it, but. That's okay. We just got another year to train. Someone who's been training for this is going to be real fit. Yeah. <laughs> years and years of experience. Yeah. All broken. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, I, I feel for the junior kids, though. Like the kids mm. that, like when this pandemic hit, they might have been 17, so they could have maybe gone for the 2000, like under-18 team and the under-20, and now all of a sudden it's like you want to go where you've got to be in open. Like, yep. you, you, yeah, potentially missed a singlet. And obviously, underage is so much easier to make than the open team. Yeah, it's, you're right about that. But it's, you also it, wonder the impact just on uh, the junior runners continuing sport because, you know, what it's like if you're an under, like, you're probably training more for enjoyment of racing than you are thinking about, you know, 10 years down the track or enjoying the process of training. And so I wonder whether, you know, a lot of kids will go, well, I'm not able to race. I'm in lockdown. Like I'm basically not going to, yeah, I'm not going to run, continue running anymore. Yeah, and they also enter that time period when it's you know you can go out, you can drink, you get a girlfriend, you go to uni, whatever. Like there's a lot of distractions that happen from that 18 through like 22. Mm. Yeah, the, the kid in a Gary Town, you know Gary. Yeah, Gaza, yeah. The, yeah, cross country team. He he said that he had 26 athlete lady athletes at the um was at the end of the 2019 year and he he had he has 24 new athletes on the team from then so so they've lost um they've lost 24 athletes from lady athletes from the the team in in a year and a half um that's pretty sad i reckon what does that look on the men's side of things because aren't you go state flying didn't they get a big win or something the other day the, the 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 men did. I yeah. don't think the ladies won, but that's pretty hard when you have like 24 athletes. That have, I'm not sure the, why the reasons are between male and female, but the um yeah, that's a lot of outs and a lot of ins, which are newer, younger runners. 
on that um, US system. Did you see Keely Smalls off to Oregon? Yes. Your mate Trogues from Canberra? Yeah, yeah so next, next year she'll head over there. So they're talking about on Let's Run, and there's a lot of rubbish on there, but was she not sponsored by Nike? Because you know how, like, you can't go if you've already had a contract? Mm, yeah, I don't know. I, I, thought she, I thought she was getting some gear, um, but not... Yeah, obviously, I don't think she was getting a salary, but I, yeah, I thought okay. she was getting. I thought she was getting some gear. I think you have to pay. I think if you pay it back, then you might be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's all pretty complicated over there. Other bit of news: Croaks, Alberto Salazar. Yeah, so he's back in the news. Um, he lost his appeal against doping violations, so his four-year ban was upheld by a court of arbitration for sport. Um, yeah, he was found guilty of three offences. Um, which were possession of testosterone, complicity in Brown's administration of a prohibited method and tampering with the doping control process. So, um, yes, his ban will remain, but there's no implications for any of the athletes that were part of the the Oregon uh, project. So that's that. Yeah, because what was the line? Like, none of the ADRVs directly affected athletic competition and there is no evidence put before the CAS as to any effect on athletes competing at an elite level within the Oregon project. So that's like Mo Farris, Farnasan, Galen Rupp. It's kind of just picking up, like, we've been through this, right? Yeah. Picking up the little things that he did that pushed the limits without really any positive tests or anything. Um it's all great, very grey area stuff where he maybe stepped a few times over that line. Well, that's what they're saying, aren't they? Like, you stepped over it, but his athletes didn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, they didn't. They didn't get caught. It's, he wasn't... Yeah, it's a, it's a real... You kind of got to read everything about this one to work out that it's just like a whole accumulation of things where they push the limits of certain practices where, like... Like it was a legal substance, right? That they took it in an illegal amount, uh, something like that. Where like you're allowed to get this, but yeah, the infusion was too like there was too much volume in the infusion or something. Um, they're the sorts of things that happened where like the athletes not fully doping or whatever. Oh, they've they've got TUEs or therapeutic use exemptions for things that they might not actually have problems that they have, and they like the doctors signed off it, and or they shopped around doctors to find it. Um, it's it's not like there's just someone shooting up EPO in a in a hotel room, like some of the the more bigger doping busts. Yeah, and that Doctor Brown is who you are referring to, Croaks. He was the team doctor. In that statement there. Uh, that's it for running news, fellas. Do you want to quickly talk about this competition that we've got going with Pillar Performance over on our Instagram page? This uh, launched on Monday. If you're on our Instagram page, you would have seen the post. This is a pretty uh, cool giveaway that Pillar Performance is supporting at the moment. It's got one Hyper Ice Hyper Volt massage gun, uh, one pair of Nike Vaporflies from the running company Ballarat, two hats from Fractal, two pairs of socks from Oat Running, and $500 worth of Pillar Performance products. This went absolutely crazy on our Instagram yesterday, fellas, to the point where we've got now three fake Inside Running Podcast accounts that are are hitting up our followers and DMing them, telling them that they've won the competition. Yeah, isn't that, well, like, let's not talk about that, let's talk about the 
competition. Yeah, so the competition <laughs> closes on 11.59am Australian Eastern Standard Time this Sunday, the 3rd of October, so you've still got plenty of time to listen. If you haven't entered already, you need to follow the Inside Running Podcast and Pillar Performance Instagram page. You need to like the post. And then you need to comment on the post, tagging two friends and adding the lightning lightning bolt emoji. At this stage, there are, let me tell you, uh, 1,920 entries already. <laughs> so the reason I know this was popular was because I just, at one point, whenever this went live yesterday, my phone, my, yeah, my watch would just not stop buzzing on me. Like literally for two hours straight, it would just, it kept buzzing. And I couldn't work out how to um, turn the notifications off that I was getting for this post. I thought you uh, weren't on our Instagram page, the inside. I'm running. not, but the, the running company Ballarat oh, was tagged. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, how do I stop this? Because it was just driving me insane. Uh, and anyway, it's good. People are people are on board. A good pack, right? Oh, it's an mm, amazing yeah. pack. Imagine good winning pack. this prize and getting that delivered. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big win. You are. That's the best. I've, like, obviously, we've, I don't know if I've done a competition like this before, but you see them pop up on social media now and then, but they're never this good. It might be like one pair of shoes, and they're like a pair of like $150, $200 pair of shoes. But to get a pair of uh, Next Percenters, Vaporflies, and the Massage Gun, what are those things worth? A couple hundred bucks? 500 bucks? Oh, more than five, that. Five, yeah. yeah, I think the Massage Gun's about 500 bucks. Isn't this prize valued at like two grand or something? Close, 1500 I think. Yeah. So um, all the details are there on social media. We've been testing out the Pillar Performance uh, products. I've been smashing the uh, immunity supplement, boys, trying to get over this cold. Got some magnesium as well. Got some bone bone health ones. That's what I've got as well to work on my bone health so I don't get any stressies. Um, up your alley, this stuff, I reckon. Right up my alley. I do like, like a real weakling. I'm pretty strong as, mate. You're the one who just had surgery. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I've got the knee stuff. I've got the knee joints. Is there a knee one? Is that chondroitin? And then there's there's omega threes, and there's also another one like a joint protection thing with like fish, like fish something or other. Or uh, egg, eggshell, eggshell yeah, membrane. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. eggshell membrane. So joint longevity. That's for us old folk, right, Brad? Yeah, you'd have the old <laughs> anti-aging one when you croak. You would have just stocked up on those ones. Yeah, so I've got the Motion Armor, which is the one with the um, eggshell membrane. Brain, um, vitamin D, uh, vitamin B, and the magnesium powder as well, which I think will come in handy um, during summer. So it tastes really nice, berry, berry flavor. Ooh, that does sound all right. I didn't get any of that powder. I went Good for, for the, sleep too. Good for yeah. sleeping. I went with the tablets instead for the magnesium. So all this stuff is supported by clinical research and sports science, and um, it says athletic advantage through micros. And Australia made and owned. One thing I did like when they send you it, like the um, when do they send it to you? It comes in these nice classy black jars. Like yeah. I bought supplements before, and they're just these plasticky, look cheap, look real dodgy kind of like you don't know what you're taking kind of thing. Whereas this stuff, and it's got good description on the label. Really classy yeah, we, jars sitting when in my bathroom. It rocked up. It rocked up, and the first thing we looked at was just going, "Wow, this is premium. This like, is class. Yeah, it's premium and." You, you feel like it should cost a lot of money, even though it doesn't. You feel like, well, they've put a lot of effort into making this look good. You know what I reckon? After we might finish with ours here, we might, like, wash them out and then put, like, little flowers and stuff in the jars and, like, make them, like, little vases around the house. That'd be a good you, thing to do. That is right up the, the hipster alley. <laughs> I reckon I might start selling them, set up a little stall out the front on the grass you and stuff just, on the nature strip. You should, 
you should drink cocktails out of them. Actually, that's not a bad idea as well. Yeah. Put a couple of ice cubes in there and like good old, yeah, cocktails and then take some photos, put it on Instagram. Yeah, you're on to something, Moose. Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, Grand final day this milk, Saturday. Milk crates out the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a few pads on milk crates. The only thing is I'm, I'm a long way off finishing any of the jars at the moment, so... Yeah, but anyway, I'd have it Christmas Day. That could be a good goal. Just load up. Just load up on the um, bone. <laughs> definitely, bone not, definitely not. Just double dip, double dose. Uh, definitely don't recommend that. That is not part of the uh, the Pillar Performance package. So thank you, Pillar Performance, for sponsoring the Inside Run podcast. And, uh, yeah, check our social media to get in with a chance. Now, they are going to pick the winners as well, fellas. I've had a couple of sneaky mates who have slid into my DMs just going like, hey, any chance you can chuck my name in this prize thing a couple of times or like when you pull out the names, can you pick out my name? You guys had any of that? No, I saw a few of those messages to our to our inside running account though. Yeah, people trying to like suggest names that we pull out. It's like, hey guys, my mate like is a real good fella. He would really love this like, prize. And you're like, we can't do this. Yeah, you've probably got zero chance of winning if you're doing that. But yeah, as I said, they, those guys, um, they choose the winner and all the terms and conditions are actually on the, pillarperformance.com.au website so if you want to have a look at the terms and conditions because um, super thorough those terms and conditions as they well. are like, like i think a good I, job. yeah i think it is actually only open to australian um residents yeah i did see that this morning oh yeah definitely check that out um yeah. and yeah there was a couple of accounts in there as well like you guys have just discovered our podcast entered this competition they didn't even give us a follow and then they're dming us telling us they want to win i'm like nah you got to at least hit the criteria here to be a chance to win it. Anyway, uh, listen to question, Bradley. All right. Hey, guys. Love the show uh, and a bit of a two-part one for you here. Moose spoke a few weeks ago about someone who had done too many Ks in their shoes. Is there a general number he looks at before retiring them or that Brad and Brady use for when they change their shoes? Brad seems to track his shoes on Strava, and Brady has a pair with 7,600 kilometres on his Strava. Surely this isn't right. Secondly, how do you decide the pace you run your easy days? Is there a calculation you use? Uh, and that question comes from Michael Wilson. Michael seems like a real numbers man. Just wants a couple of numbers in his answers here. <laughs> I'll chuck some numbers at him. That was Paddy Stowe you were talking about, weren't you? 1,000 pairs, 1,000 Ks in a pair of shoes. Oh, Remember well, a couple of weeks yeah. ago, you've no, seen lo- photos? Look, it worked. Paddy, Paddy loaded up, got himself a pair of shoes. He obviously um, started to respect his body a little more, respect his body. Pockets got a little shallower too, which was good. The best thing about Paddy is he's moved to Echuca for three months. That's why Paddy's yeah. running well at the moment. Like, Did you see the Brownlow medal the other night? Two Echuca boys, yeah. first and third. Actually, how long have we been recording? We've been recording for about an hour. I'm surprised that you hadn't mentioned it before now. Yeah, we're absolute training mecca. Someone should write a book on like the successful sports people that are based or come out of Chukamaima. So it's tell only, me, a, only a small town. Look at how many if, freaks we come out of here. If someone moves to um, Echuca, is it like is it like someone like from a Western country moving to like Mexico and you can just afford like your rent? For the year is is like a, a quarter of what it would be in the in the uh, US. Medium house prices are heaps here. Can you get tacos for like a dollar? I'd put my I'd put a bet on that medium house prices would be more here than Ballarat. <laughs> That's not true. I reckon it would be. Oh uh, no, I don't reckon. All right, I'll um, search it right now. Give me two seconds. Anyway, imagine they could do a chapter on Ollie Wines, chapter on Clayton Oliver, Archie Reed. We get a chapter. Andrew, Ollie Wines. Andrew Walker. Dad played in, played in the 83 Premiership in Anglesey. 
Did he? Yeah. And then did he Todd? Is there um, not Todd Viney? What's the Viney Jack? Don, Jake? Jack? I think he's got some connection to Truca as well. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, some good sports what was the coming out of here. Uh, basically, when you change your shoes, is there like a certain amount of kilometres you should, oh, yeah. you know, change them? Um, this is different for everybody, so that the answer is depends. Depends on the shoe that you're wearing. Depends where you run. It depends on your weight, and it depends on how you run, where you strike the ground. It also depends on your sensitivity to uh, an older shoe. Um, depends on how much your foot uh, can, how much movement your foot can tolerate in terms of when it hits the ground, like pronation-wise, or even to a degree how much your foot will supinate in an old pair of shoes. You might find a threshold where the shoe breaks down so much that we're seeing a greater rate of eversion in the foot, or sort of like the subtalar joint, and, and from that you might develop niggles earlier than someone else who can handle more movement. Or you, so the answer, the answer like lies in between the standard that we normally deliver based on a traditional EVA type foam of between five and eight hundred kilometres. But that said, these days foams are breaking down quicker because they've they're a different compound than what they used to be, and they're a lot more fun. So although someone might go, oh, I'm paying two hundred bucks and I'm getting. 650 k's out of my older pair. Now I pay 250 bucks and I get 400 k's out of my new pair. Like this isn't working out from a value standpoint. But that person's only looking at the durability argument. What about the experience that you get running? What about if every one of those 500 kilometers or 400 kilometers is just the best feeling shoe you've ever worn and you love your running more than you do in the shoe that last 650 kilometers. And so that's where foams these days are getting more expensive to manufacture, but they feel better. And they, they contribute to performance more. We know that. We, they can store more energy, release more energy. They're a funner feel underneath. They provide a lot more life. And so these days, the foams aren't lasting as long. So in the past, we've said five to 800. Now I reckon it's probably better off saying four to 700, four to 600, even if you're a bigger person or if you're one of those more sensitive types. Good answer. Croaks, mm. how often do you change your shoes around? Uh, yeah, I try and get about 500 generally. Um, for like a racing shoe, probably a little bit less. Um, but like for a general trainer, um, most of them I would get at least 500. Um, like the, I think... Was it the New Balance 1080s a couple of versions ago? That they were probably one of the most durable shoes I've ever run in. I reckon I got I got way over a thousand k's in those things, and like I still felt like they were good. Um, yeah, yeah. They like they so they were the first the first pair that we got through the show. Yeah, that so version th version yep. nine maybe. Yeah, yeah. They were they were very good, but on 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 general, probably about five hundred for me. And you're pretty good at tracking a marcher. Like you're yeah, I, How do you have yeah. the time to do that? Well, it doesn't take long. No. You, you upload your run and you go in and you click which shoe you, you used. Yeah, but you'd have to add them in there. Well, you know, that's why mine says 7,000 Ks because I've only done it once and I'm like, nah, this is too much yeah. work. But you, you know, so if I run in a brand new pair of shoes and I add it that day, it's how not that hard, Brady. Two minutes? Yeah. <laughs> don't know about that. <laughs> Less than two minutes. Less than two minutes. Hey Moose, is Ballarat um, East? Is that a good suburb in Ballarat? Ballarat East 
Yeah, not bad. Not yeah. bad. Not not the best. But that standard, like like middle of the road kind of thing. I'd say middle. Yeah. Get a middle. house. Get a house there for four fifty. Moama. Five forty. No, we're smoking it. It's like me going to Mexico if I was to move to Ballarat. What did you say? That's the median house price in Bal- in Ballarat East. Four fifty. Four fifty. Yep. Oh, you wouldn't find that. My from when? Five forty. From how long ago? August thirtieth, two thousand twenty-one. No, I don't. So. Real estate. Com. Dot I'll put in the show notes if you want. I don't, any, I don't know anyone that lives in Ballarat East. You just said it's like the middle of the road. Check out Soldiers Hill. Is that Ballarat Central? Oh, it's close to now Central. We're talking. Ballarat Central. That's uh, six thirty. What about Soldiers Hill? I don't think they break. That's not one of the options. Oh, okay. Where do Ballarat you? North? Where do you? Yeah, Ballarat North. There. Hang on. Ballarat North. Put yours in next, Coke. We have that's five thirty. Ballarat North. Yeah. yeah. So still a bit less than Moama. Anyway, <laughs> so if you're looking to upgrade, you know where to come. I don't even want to put Croaks in. Imagine what Croaks is like. Eight hundred and fifty. All those rich politicians. What's your suburb called? Suburb? Canberra? Uh, What's it Casey. Casey. Casey's my suburb. Casey, A-C-T. Here we go. 638. Jesus. High rollers in Casey. Well, I might come down to a Chuka. Yeah. Get those can, cheap burritos. You can, cheap tacos. You could sell up and then you get an extra 100 grand in your pocket croaks. Uh, getting back to the shoes, Moose, I found, so obviously it depends on the shoe as well. So like Infinity React. I got quite a lot. I got more out of those. I got 766 out of those. Asics Glide Ride, close to 600. Um, New Balance RC Elite, I got 475 out of those. So I probably held on to those a little bit too long, but um, they're a good shoe. Yeah, so yeah. around that around that five, yeah, 500. When you know, more. you know, though, don't you? You can just feel it, I reckon. I just know when shoes are ready to go. Yeah, you know, you can feel. I mean, mm. the, old, the old test was sort of, Press your finger on the inside at the same point as your finger is on the outer sole, and press in, and you can feel how much foam the foam compresses between your fingers. And if you grab a new shoe, you won't even really feel your other finger. And an old shoe, you can basically feel if you you can really feel like there's not much between your fingers. And so that's the that's like the sign that the shoes probably needs to be replaced. But the feel is the biggest thing. Some shoes just feel like they bottom out really quickly when you're when you've worn them out others feel to me i feel sloppy underfoot i feel like my foot and ankle moves a lot because um it just felt like the foam's so soft and compressed there's no integrity left mm. second part of the question how do you figure out the pace of your easy runs oh that's a, got, a, got a calculation what are they yeah yeah just tempo that's, every day michael that, that question could be like an entire two-hour episode <laughs> no i couldn't simple answer listen to your body and make sure it's easy there is no calculation. There are calculations. Some people have calculations. Don't for sure. look at your pace, Michael. Just Tin run Man, out there. Tin Man had a calculation. It was like, I think it was, was it two minutes, two minutes per mile slower than your five k pace? I think he had. Yeah, but you just never know how much other stress you've had in your life. Like your easy pace a day after workout is going to be different than two days after a workout. Yeah, it's going and to be it also different depends if you're on night with kids or you got a big day at work and you've been on the tools all day yeah. or whatever it is. You can't and if you're running, on it. and if you're running over hills, yeah. it's going to be slower. It should be slower than if you're running on the flat. If it's thirty degrees, it's going to be slower than if it's ten degrees. If, so you, grew, if you grew up running on treadmills and you used to run at four minute k pace, it's going to be different than someone who didn't grow up doing that. This is where the argument is: like you take all that out by running with heart rate, and then you can go, okay, well, what heart rate? And then there's another fifteen arguments for what yeah. your heart rate should be. 
um, because like there's different formulas. You could go like 70% of max heart rate, or you could look at your VO2 max and take a percentage off that. You could look at your blood lactate sort of readings and go off, um, say like LT1 is the point where you start to, where you, like your first sort of aerobic threshold. And that that's a point that some people do look at and go, okay, well, we want to stay below that. Uh, and then it's different for a new runner versus a, like a, a medium runner and then an advanced runner as well. So there's there's no right answer to that. Mm. There's no right answer. There's so many different calculations. And that's what I mean. There's two hours you can go into them and rate them all and um, assess them. I think a good gauge, though, for anybody out there is that if you're getting to your sessions and your sessions are crap or you feel crap doing your sessions, then maybe look at your easy runs. Yeah. yeah I, I think I think the conversation thing where you want to be able to, you can talk easily to the person next to you, like literally talk easily, and you shouldn't really feel like you're struggling at any point. It should just feel super easy. That's conversational. You could make it as clean and simple as that. Yeah. Good. Uh, Moose on the loose, purchase of the week. How'd you go your uh, treadmill? You got a treadmill? Oh, yet? look, I locked the treadmill up. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to Sam McLean. Sent me a photo last night of it. Someone put one up on Marketplace that he knew, and and in a couple of hours we sort of sorted out, sorted out. That's what I was after. So yeah, I um, got a Life Fitness 95T Engage. So it's it's a good commercial one. We'll handle that big old stomp of mine on without busting through the deck and uh, put it in the garage because it's a big solid unit. Um, yeah, so that's. I'm going to go collect it soon enough whenever we can and get a truck with a lift on it because it's a heavy thing, 200 kilos. But, yeah, I'm sorted. You get it's, one, Croaks? So you got to, you got to hire a truck, drive to Melbourne, and then put it in the truck and then drive back. Yeah. Jeez, it's a big tradie day for you. Yeah, it's not too bad. Most of it's driving. It's got a, it's got a lift on it. Can you drive a truck, though? You got a truck license? car license. Car license. Oh, is it? Yeah, I, you can get, like, a... Like the, the smallest moving van is, is a truck is a car license and it still has a lift on it. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Croak, it is good. Croak, so you going with purchase of the week? Oh, I'm still I've sort of narrowed it down, but then I've been thrown a few like Facebook marketplace uh, ones, which I like the idea of getting something like that. But then there's no sort of warranties as well, so you, you sort of end up. Because I know Ellie sent me a link to like a couple in Canberra, which look good, but you know, you spend thousands of dollars and there's no guarantee. Like it breaks down the next day and you're screwed. Yeah. So, so, th- so my one still has a warranty on it from its yeah. refurb. Yeah. So that's that's what's sort of you know stopping me from going down that track. But um, yeah, I'll make a call. I'd say in the next week or two. Plus, mm-hmm. like a lot of the places, that if I buy brand new, I can't I can't get them for another month anyway. So there's no real. It's not like I buy it and I get it the next day. So. Very good. Still looking. So, Moose, any other purchases or you got a Moose on the loose? Uh, well, look, I I haven't – I've been real busy lately and I've made a bit of a conscious move to get off socials a little bit. But one thing that I saw this morning was all this stuff about Shalane Flanagan being back. Oh, yeah. And, um, and I'm like, oh, she's going to race again or something? I'm like, Shalane Flanagan is doing six ma- marathon majors in 42 days or something like that. I'm like, oh, God, that's expensive. Like, that's the first thing I thought. Like, how many, like, what's the inspiring bit about that? This is someone that could do that. You could do that in six days if you wanted. Like, this is just logistical 
challenge. That's really the biggest problem is flying to six places. Like you could run this easily if you wanted, Shalane. Like this isn't a a test of endurance or a, this is a test of how much money you've got or how many connections you have. You know like what? This, you know it, what time she's going for in all of them, though, don't you? Is it three hours? Yeah, she's a two twenty one marathon. Is it easy? She's running at yeah, yeah what four fifteen k pace. Yes. It's long. It's long run pace. Yeah, she's just doing a long run. Yeah, I was I was with you as well, Moose. I thought, oh, this is interesting. She's got to put her name in the hat. But she's just doing something that's not accessible to 99.9% of the running yeah. population, and she gets to tick off all these amazing marathons. And she thinks that yeah. it's inspiring. I'm like, nah. That we should be clapping that and going, nah, oh, you're no amazing. Way. Like, I'm yeah. following so closely. And this is – I was like, why am I reading this? This is yeah. like – so you know that event organizer and you'll probably get free everything to go there and do it like what like how am i supposed to get motivated by that especially when we're so fucked here yeah <laughs> like this is, obviously it's like not aimed at me this article but for me i'm like this is like just rubbing salt so in i felt the same i'm like really rubbing yeah. it in here <laughs> and there'd be a lot of people in similar boats to us like i know different parts of the world have got it a bit better than us at the moment but still not having the opportunity to do do what she's and no doing. one can afford that shit. No one no can way. afford doing that in six weeks. That's why, got... um, like, we've been pitched like people to be the interview who have done like you know seven marathons in seven days on seven continents, like those people. And I'm like, this is not yeah inspiring at all. Like, I yeah, that does my head in that kind of stuff when I see that because just whoever's got the most money. Yeah, um, uh, there are some good ones. Like, I'll give it. Like, we had we had a fellow Richie at the store who did seven marathons in um seven states it was and and like he fundraised for it all it all went to charity and he like he he is a good he 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 did it through covid which was a bit tougher he had to do a few roundabouts but um he's not looking to go on like he we're not all sort of reading about him he just did it his own thing and he He was banging them out early morning in geelong and stuff wasn't he yeah he did one around the coat on the trails yeah so none of this look at me kind of thing and he had that charity component to it as well whereas i was reading this shalane flanagan article today expecting i'm like okay where's the charity bit like what's going on here what's this linked to and it's nothing like it's just a puff piece for her and nike yep um, and what does my head in the most? I think this stuff takes attention away from the people like Sinead Diver who are trying to do the Olympics London double in a short period of time. Like, yeah. And then the headlines like, what did I read today? Shalane Flanagan is back. I'm like, no, this is not right. Yeah. Spend your time writing articles on people who are trying to do genuinely remarkable things at the moment like Sinead Diver. Yep, agreed. Had me Let's up. I was triggered as well. Any comments there, Croaks? You've had a few? Uh, it just sounds like retirement she doesn't agree with her and um, she doesn't like being out of the limelight. Well, there is another point here as well. She is the assistant coach of Bowman Track Club who has just had their star athlete, like, you know, handed down their appeal knocked back for a four-year ban. Like, these two narratives don't really – I don't know how much she's got to do with Shelby Hallahan, but no one's mentioning the connection she's got with um, – Bowman and went into bat real hard. And she went, yeah, she did. She was really hard, yeah, like aggressively hard. So, and yeah, yeah. I just don't get how people think this is amazing and haven't put those two dots together. Anyway, anyway, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I definitely didn't get, I definitely didn't get worked up like you did. I was just like, oh damn it, I wasted my time reading this. Whereas you were like, what really gets me worked up is that? Yeah, I was feeling because it's a missed opportunity, like running. 
female distance marathon runners don't get enough publicity at the best of times. And then mm. to think that this is the headline, like this is what we're we're a week out from Berlin, a week, two weeks out from London. I think then Chicago is three weeks out. All those ones have amazing elite female fields, and there was like I don't think there was ten articles on Shalane today. Yeah, like that's and what somebody, annoys me the most. And, and now we've somebody, just given it bloody five minutes of airtime in <laughs> Moose and Loose. Someone got Sinead on the phone. On the phone, see how she's tracking. Um, someone like Yuki Kawachi looks at this and says, "What? You're just going to jog them? I actually race yeah. six marathons yeah. in 42 days, yeah. and like they're all like 210 to 213." So, anyway. so it's, di- it's different if she was going to race them all, but to go and do them as glorified long runs is, yeah, not not that impressive. Yeah, or if she was raising a shitload of money for charity or something, like I'd pay that then. Anyway, what's coming up Berlin this week, fellas? Uh, Bikili mm. predictions? What do you reckon? Haven't heard much. DNF. <laughs> DNF or DNF? How, at, what, at what point of the race is he in the gutter, Moose? Uh, 31. No, I like him. I reckon he'll run 205, come top four or five. Gotta gotta uh, give gotta give him gotta right. give him a shot. Um Alright, I'll go that he'll win it then. <laughs> you can't go from <laughs> ending up in the gutter to win it. I didn't know. I asked Sounds him, so I, convincing. I asked Moose at what point you're gonna be in the gutter. I didn't say he'd be in the gutter. <laughs> uh yeah, I'll go I'll go that he wins in uh two oh three thirty. Okay. So Moose DNF, me. He'd fifth. want to be going all right. Krogs for the win. We'll get to watch that Sunday afternoon here. So that should be good viewing. Hopefully um, it's on Eurosport or KO or something like that. Fox Sports, I'm not sure. We'll see what happens. Then London Mar- Oh, what's our mate Klaus he going to run? See, Berlin. He's at Berlin this weekend. Yeah, this Sunday. Who's doing London? No, he's doing yeah. Berlin. Oh, okay. The other guy, Josh Lund, doing London. Yeah. Um,. What am I going to predict for Clousey? Clousey hasn't had the best record of late with his marathons. His training's been good, though, Moose. Yeah, he's been good. He's done some good uh, half marathons, too. Couple controlled. I'm going to say he's going to run 2.13 low. Ooh. Low up, though. Because he's run 2.13, hasn't he? That's his PB? Yeah, I reckon he goes out at 2.12, blows up a bit, runs 2.13 low. Okay. Croaks, you been listening to his training or just following yeah. it? Just following it on Strava. Um, I, I reckon he'll PB. So I'll go 2.12.10. Yeah, okay. He ran close to a half marathon PB not so long ago and then did that crazy workout on the Wednesday, remember? Mm. So I'm going to go 2.12. What did you say, 10? 2.12.30. What's a qualify for, like, world champs and com games two, for him? 2.11.30? Yeah. Yeah, is there a com no, games? Com games, I think, for the Brits is like 2.14 or something. Okay. So maybe yeah, he goes at 2.14 I'm... pace and then finds an extra minute or two. Just yeah. to guarantee him that. Don't know. Be interesting to watch. We're tracking him Sunday afternoon, our time as well. Good luck, Clousey. Yeah, good luck, Matthew. Um, London's the weekend after, so we'll talk about that next week. Hopefully we get some uh, fields up. we would be good to kind of see exactly who's running that. But obviously the big star will be Sinead Diver. And then uh, Road to Nowhere is back on Wednesday morning. So that's tomorrow morning. Um, Ali, Nick and Joel there. Looking forward to having them back for season three. And then Shoe Geek sometimes between now and the end of the month, wouldn't it, Moose? Yeah, it was postponed because of like stuff going on. and We'll get it done in the next seven days for sure. Yeah, cool. 
the interview this week, hopefully, it's meant to be recording this afternoon. So patrons, you'll get this file and then you'll have the interview separately. But by the time it goes out to the punters, that should be all together. Jake Smith, bit of a loose unit, I think, UK runner. Just a young fella. He's run um, 28.50 for 10K. I think he's run a quick in a time trial during COVID. 60.31, third fastest half marathoner ever from Britain behind Mo Farah and Callum Hawkins. And he ran that 2.11 when he was pacing that marathon and kept going. You'd remember that, fellas. So, um, yeah, interviewing him, our time, 6pm tonight. So looking forward to having that chat. Hopefully it's on the end of this episode if everything goes to plan. He's a uh, very, very good mover. Like, he's just so, like, loose and fluid, I find, when he runs. Yeah. Real, real elastic. Yeah. He's had some Did amazing you, uh, progression. Make Look sure at, you ask him yeah, why he wears got? extra large shorts. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I'm going to ask him why he's not sponsored. Like, that's going to be one of my questions. With some, like, he wears bloody basketball shorts. I'll write that down here. I've got my notebook, notepad here. You got any questions, Croaks? Um... No, I'll send them through if I think of any. Okay. He also sometimes wears odd shoes. You've seen that? Like he'll have a yeah. black next percent on one foot and then a blue one on the other one or a red one or something. Saw that. Yeah. I heard he likes that we take the piss out of Josh Lund. Yeah, that was his reply when I asked if he wanted to be on the show. That's not hard, is it? <laughs> he just does that to himself. Uh, so we're done, fellas. That's episode 203. What are you doing between now and next week, Croaks? Uh, nothing. Lockdown life. Bit of oh. running. Um, How do all the birthday parties go? What did you get for Viv's 30th? Uh, I'm going to buy her a treadmill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't go That's to Fair that. enough. She's got everything. She will appreciate a treadmill. Uh, no, birthdays were good. Obviously, um, lockdown meant that Lily couldn't have a party, but there's a friend of hers that lives around the corner, so they sort of meet up, um, come come out the front for some cake. and um, Yeah, it was it was good under the uh, under the circumstances. Yeah, it's good. Moose, what are you doing between now and next week? Maybe having a baby. Uh, Become a dad. Yeah, it could be that. Or there could be our story opening. That would also be nice. But those two things should work well together. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of carnage going on. But trying to prepare for it. Have you um, chosen the names? Have you got a bit of a list going? Got a little bit of a list, yep. Got a list. and um, uh, No, not even a list. We just have names. We just like, unless it turns out to be something that's not a male or a female, then you've just got one of each. We'll be stumped, yeah. And you don't know what you <laughs> have in a boy or girl. Might just combine them. I reckon mm. Moose has got Julian Junior. That would be a Moose move, I reckon. Oh, I reckon the middle name will be Julian or Julia. I told you. If it's a girl. JJ, Julian Junior. Colin. I'm going to call it Colin. That's what you said off air. You were asking about names before. Yeah, that's Colin a good name. Spence? Is that why you're asking if Collis ever gets called Colin? Because you didn't want him to clash. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. Like, if we ever hung out, then they would get confused. <laughs> One's about two year, or a year older, though, isn't it? Hopefully, they wouldn't get confused that much. He's got some hair on him, Colin, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, he does Collis? Yeah, jet jet black, and there's plenty of it. <laughs> Lots of air. All right, well, good luck if that happens, Moose. And then we might ne- might even need a replacement for you next week if you're in the hospital. See what happens. Oh, yeah. You'll, have to, you'll yeah. have to sleep on those. Um, did you sleep at the hospital croaks when they, they wheel that kind of bed out for the dads? Uh, no. Oh, oh, actually, no, I slept, I slept there one night. Yeah, yeah, on that like little chair and it folds out? 
Yeah, so when Lily was yeah, so when Lily was born because she was born late at night and we'd been out all day, I actually came home to like feed Russell and slept here, but then the next night I stayed at the hospital. Oh, yeah. Didn't you do a workout or something during? I did. <laughs> yeah, I did a workout. Um, fart like, didn't you? The morning. No, nah, it was it was some sort of fart like session, but um, yeah, like after Viv's waters had broken, we headed down to Yerriby, did the session, and uh, then headed to the hospital. And what the, hell? I, no, I, no, I, like, the more and, I, the more I've learned about babies and stuff, the less acceptable they. I was thinking about it the other day how times have changed in the last three years. Whereas now, I'm pretty much looking for any excuse not to, to do a session. Yeah, I've had a workout for three weeks. Don't care. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, must have been motivated back then. Well, there wasn't a pandemic going on and cats on all the races. That's for sure. Uh, that'd be good, fellas. All right, talk next week. Do it all again. See you guys. See ya. Born to the river, the black blood in my veins. I found out when I was just a child that your skin can bring you so much pain. Now I hear you say. This week's guest on the Inside Running podcast came into the world's running attention in 2020 after his amazing performance to finish 18th at the World Half Marathon Championships in Poland in a time of 60 minutes and 31 seconds. This result made him the third fastest half marathoner in the UK of all time. He also turned a marathon pacemaking job into a 211.00 marathon debut and at the young age of just 23 is one of the most exciting prospects in UK distance running. Welcome to the Inside Running Podcast, Jake Smith. Hi, thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. I'm nearly out of breath just doing that introduction of all the things you've achieved in the last 12 months. So uh, thank you for coming on the show and you're joining us from, is it Cardiff, Wales at the moment? Yes, yes, in Cardiff. It's quite a nice day, thankfully. It's like, I'm not looking forward, because you can tell it's getting colder at night, so I'm really not looking forward to the winter stuff. What's a nice day for you guys, though, over there at the moment? Oh. Like, how hot? It's probably 18, 18 degrees, okay. <laughs> 16 to 18 degrees. Okay, and we're recording this at 9am uh, your time, 6pm my time, but um, you know, yes. what's what's the plan for your morning on a Tuesday morning? Um, normally Tuesday is like a session day, so I will tend to like run or cross training, because I'm very much for cross training as well, and I tend to run in the mornings and then do like a session in the evenings, but um, because I just did the Great North Run, I took some a few days off, and I'm just easing back into it um, as I'm pacing the London Marathon next weekend. Well, in two weeks' time, so it's just like the same old thing: just run in the morning, easy cross train, and then get ready for a session later on in the evening. Yeah. So, how many k's will you do this morning before the workout this afternoon? Uh, it'll be about six miles. Six so miles. Six miles. Yeah, about ten k. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, and that'd be pretty like relaxed pace. Like we do that pretty easy. Yeah, so I've listened to you guys because you guys talk in Ks, don't you? That's right. You go miles like, and I'll yeah, do my yeah. best to translate. I, yeah. I, I know it's all right because I, I grew up in Hong Kong, so every time I was running out there, I was always in Ks anyway. So I can sort of, oh, I sort can, of know all that. You can do both of them. Like, That's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good skill so to have. it's about 4.10 to 4.20 per K. We always try and dip under the seven-minute mile. I think it's just like a little little barrier in the head. you like, just get under. Even a... Like a 420 would be great, but yeah, it's just nice and chilled. We have quite a nice grass loop round here, so just to try and save the legs a bit more. And yeah, from the, then the rest of the day, I'm just getting psyched up for a session. 
So do you know what the session is for this afternoon or will you wait like the coach tells you when you get there? Um, I'm not too sure just yet because it's because freshers have just come back. So there's a whole big group session on this um, grass grass area. And because I'm not really because I'm using the next three weeks, it's almost just like a refresh period. I'm almost just jumping in with the session with some of the guys there because it's just a bit more fun than just running solo. Yeah. Um, but I presume like last week they did, it was like eight, six by four minutes or seven by four minutes on the grass. But um, it tends, there's a, um, my coach tends to do like a lot of two minute reps or pyramids. So like one minute, two minute, three minute, four minute, five minute, then back down with uh, different recoveries. Yeah, cool. Um, well, let's go through your PBs. So, or your yeah PBs. Your yeah your UK. You're not American. We don't have to talk PRs. <laughs> uh, I've got you down at three forty eight for the fifteen hundred. Is that correct? Yes, that was this year. I tried. Oh, I don't know what I did. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give some fifteen hundreds a go, and I got absolutely smashed by some of the youngsters. But uh, it was good fun. I, I do love the fifteen. I like that though. I like that you're you're willing to get out of your comfort zone. Like, oh yeah, exactly. Racing racing kids, where you know you're kind of used to racing adults and being quite dominant, and then to step back into those probably I'm sure it's probably a low key fifteen hundred as well, and then be racing some junior kids. Yeah, could could be quite yes. humbling for some. Oh yeah, I think I think a couple actually said to me at the end they were like, I can't believe we've beaten him or something. Mm. I was like. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not the quickest person in the <laughs> over this distance. But no, it was, it was good fun, and you just get to see like the running community, which is really good. Well, I want to talk about yeah some of those shorter distances a bit later on, and the listeners will figure yeah. out as we go further with some of these PBs, they'll be able to notice a bit of a trend. You're at three k, three thousand meters PB eight oh oh. Yes. Just couldn't dip at the end there. Couldn't get that seven fifty nine. Or yeah. Oh all... yeah. Um. So it was like. It was. I was only five weeks back into training, and I said I just went down because, like you said, there's a lot of local meets around here. And I said, "Oh, I'm just gonna, just gonna see how it is. Just go off with the leader." And you go, we go through like first UK, and I'm I'm so surprised about the time. But yeah, I didn't really clock in my head. I needed to run a second quicker. It could have been at any stage, but <laughs> it'll always be nice next time because then I'll be like, "Oh, now I've broken eight minutes." Um, so yeah, so be good next time I do one. It gives you another reason to jump back into three thousand meters at some stage oh, exactly. for sure. Uh, the five k thirteen thirty eight. Yes. Any special stories about that one? Fond memories. Uh, that was the that was the Gateshead Diamond League. So it was that terrible windy day, and um, it was so good because that was my first ever Diamond League event. But I didn't really expect how crazy it actually is. Like you, you do all these like local meets and stuff, but everyone almost gets into their position in a in a diamond league. It's it's like almost a fight to the inside. There's like s- scraps going on the whole time, but um, yeah, it was. I remember some of the um, other athletes, like the pole vault, was only go- went over about five fifty because it was just such a windy, cold day, and it was so at the start line you could just see the um, Africans just did not want to be there, like they were frozen to pieces. So. Yeah, but it was a great experience, and hopefully, I can do another Diamond League in the future. I think, um, I think when you did your inside jogging podcast interview, they interviewed you like the week of that race. I remember they were oh, kind yeah. of yeah talking to you about like what your expectations were, and there was like maybe a, a twelve fifty Kenyan like in that race, yeah. and you weren't sure if he was going to go out that pace. And you almost like you didn't sound nervous, but you could tell you were super excited to have that opportunity to jump on the track with some of these bigger oh, names yeah. and Olympic finalists and stuff like that. 
Oh yeah, like you look at the guy who won it was Mo Kitsia, and mm. you look at what he's um, done this whole year, and just to, like you said, just to be part of an event like that, like after the event, um, you just meet all these new people, and that that's what is so fun about the sport. You just get like everyone's so nice, everyone's so chatty. You never, there's never going to be really a horrible person, so you can just go up to a random person and just talk about running, how their race went, and it's just a good day out. Are they all like that though? Like, is everyone pretty friendly, or there's some guys who are just like arrogance is pretty high, and you kind of can't okay, get much I'll, out of them? <laughs> I'd, I'll say I'll say most people are friendly, but there there are a few. But I'm not dropping in. Yeah, <laughs> our man. Um, I think our man Stewie got the win in the mile that day. That's the yeah, or the fifteen hundred. I reckon we might have had. I don't know if Ramsden or um, I reckon there was another Australian who ran pretty well at that meet as well. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure if you can remember uh, or you saw those boys go around the fifteen hundred or the mile. Um, did Ollie? Is Ollie Hall? Is he yeah, Australian? He's Australian he, as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 It might have been him as well. Yeah, or Joy Edwards, one of them. There was a few of them. I know. I know you had. Oh, what's his name? You had a, one in the, someone in the five k, but he didn't run too well. But he did. He ran the five k Olympic time the week before. Yeah, that was da- Dave, Mc, Dave McNeil, I think. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Because then he then went to the race. I think it was your UK 10k trials for the Olympics to yeah. pace like that Mo Farah group, which you were a part of yeah, as well. Yeah. 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 So we've got a few connections going here, the Australian and UK thing, which is good. We'll touch on a bit of that a bit later on as well. Yes. But your 10k, like on your uh, World Athletics profile, it says 28.50. But I think you've ran a 10k time trial on the track in 28.00. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So. It was last summer, and you know, like COVID restrictions were sort of. Um, you could you could meet a few people and stuff like that, and um, I said to the boys because all the races were getting cancelled, and I needed a bit of a break before my training into world half. So I said to them, "Can you guys come and pace me around the track for 10k?" And I'll like I'll try and make it big, like try and get because I think people appreciate it. I put it on instagram because it was something people could watch because this was when like no sports were on and so i said to them oh can you come pace me so it was four four of the guys just the guys i live with and they did 800 meters each so someone would do 800 the next one would do 800 and it's just this local track there were people playing football in the middle people <laughs> like i was having to shout shout track at some <laughs> kids on those bikes and stuff but then before you knew it at about seven eight k there were actually people like cheering me on and yeah, that was quite a funny day because I just I literally just turned up to a track and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to run a 10k as hard as I can. And again, I didn't break a barrier around 28 flat, but um, yeah, it was it was really good fun. Mentally though, like that must be you say it's fun and exciting, and you're probably getting people excited on the stream and at the track and stuff as well. But to do 25 laps, I know you had people jumping in and out, but you were doing it the whole way. Like you got to have some kind of mental strength to be able to push yourself through that pain to do that when there's no, you know, there's no race, there's no reward, there's no prize yeah. money. Like, it's pretty mentally strong that you could put that together. Yeah, it was it was great because I think that because the boys, the guys I lived with, they knew what shape I was in and then they were also doing some time trials around the similar time. So it worked quite well so we could almost get everyone into, like, the same mood. Yeah. And it was, when, when we were deciding which date to do it, I kept bringing it back because all I wanted to do was, like, take some time off and just enjoy myself and um have a few drinks with the guys and that so it was it was it was it was great and um I, I do agree with them like there's been lots of time trials like those virtual time trials 
but I, I said to them I, I need to do it on a track like I want to make sure it's like the distance I want to make sure I'm hitting each lap and it just gave me great confidence going into next races because I, I was just saying to myself okay you run 28 flat you know what that feels like you go through a bit slower than any other race you're going to be fine yeah. and it just has worked really well yeah, and it's almost like that stepping stone result as well. Like, we've done a few, well, we're still kind of in lockdown over here. So we, we did time trial yeah. last weekend, actually. So um, we're still doing this. And I think there's still value in getting a bit nervous, getting a bit out of your comfort zone. Like, And then if you do put a good time down, especially if you're on the track, it just gives you that confidence that when races do return, and like for you, when you went to the World Half Marathon, you know yeah. what kind of shape you're in instead of just always guessing a bit with the training workouts and hoping you're in that shape. Yes. No, it, it's great. I, I do agree with them a lot. And if people can do them and stay, like you guys, I know you guys in lockdown, but if everyone can stay up with it, because you know, hopefully, in like in in the future, it's going to get better and the race is going to be back on. And just like when I got back into my first race, you're just buzzing because you've just been doing time trials. And just to get like a mass event, it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's all of a sudden it's easy again, isn't it? You're like, oh, there's a crowd yeah. here and there's other people. And it's like, <laughs> okay, this stuff makes it easier to race in. Um, so exactly. then let's maybe just talk about the 10K for a while because like the 28.50 on paper, you know, obviously doesn't mean much if you ran 28.00. But then the qualifying time for the Olympics is still like it's one of the hardest events to qualify for. I think it was 27.26 oh. or something, 27.28. Yes, 27, 28. Like, you've still got to find another 30, 32 seconds. And I know you did this in time trial kind of, um, in time trial, like, setting. So, like, did you have confidence that you could maybe still find that extra 30 seconds in a race? Um, yeah, so I, because when I went into that race, like you said, I was like, okay, I've run 28 flat. I ran them in the, um, the not, the, um, I didn't run them in the Dragonflies. I just ran them, I think I ran them in Vicks or something, Vic the blue i forgot what they're called oh, the but just the old yeah yeah the old spikes and i was like okay hopefully these dragonflies can give me a few few more seconds yeah. to help i went into the race and i was looking back at my training and i was in like incredible shape i've never been this quick before um all my sessions were under 10 gate pace like but i just i just ruined myself in training because i was so because i was representing GB and I went into that race thinking okay I could potentially get this I was just doing too much like the week before eight days no eight nine days before I did this 10 mile session on the track um it was a K on K off and I ran to the 10 mile mark so my coach made me do like 16k and then the extra 100 meters and I ran 46 24 for it I think I averaged 243s for the ons and 301s for the offs yeah. And this was this this was eight days before the 10K. And my heart rate was sky high. Like, it was essentially, it was higher than some what my heart rate would be in some races. And, you know, at the time, you're like, oh, my God, this shape, like, it's going to be easy next week. But I didn't really realize, like, I then did that, did two more sessions, and then have to go out nine days later and do 10K. So I was... I was absolutely gutted at the same time, but I knew, you know, a couple of days later, you look back at what you did and you're just like, why, why have I, I was so thick. I was so stupid for doing all that stuff. Yeah. That, um, that might've been your race effort then. It's what you, what you need to yeah. say for that. Yeah. And did you say yeah, you did exactly. that on the track 16 or 10 miles, 16 K on the track? Yeah. So I had my coach just on the bike again at the same track. I uh, took the time trial, just pacing me. And I remember going through 
in 10k in 28:45, and I was like, "What am I doing?" But then you know, you get like, you you if you're running so well, like me, because I'm still quite young, I'm just like, "Yeah, I just want to go quicker. I just want to get this done." Um, I didn't really think, "Oh, maybe I should probably stop here," but yeah, it's a learning curve. <laughs> so, so with your coach though, like he's on the bike, and like, are you? Did he set those paces beforehand for you to hit that one? Or, like, was he encouraging you to run faster? Or was he kind of saying, hey, we need to slow this down. Like, we don't want this race to be, you know, we've got a race in nine days or whatever it was. We need to put the brakes on and kind of save it for race day. So some of the um, splits he told me were slower. And I think on the bike you could tell he was trying to slow me down. And I I think you, if you, like, ever see me racing stuff, I like to go as hard as possible because... I think as well because I was just that you know when you do a session another time you've done it once before you want to beat it again so I was pro- I was just constantly thinking in my head oh I need to beat the last time I did this because then that shows I'm in better shape but yeah I really I really really was the stupidest thing I've ever done because um, even three days up to 10k I could still feel on my legs I was like oh this is I'm still feeling a little bit niggly a little bit tired that's not the best thing before a race but yeah, it's a learning curve for me. Yeah. So hopefully next time I won't do a session like that a week before. Because didn't the week before that session, you did something like, um, and this is all on Strava, if the listeners want to go back and have a listen to it, but I think you did something like 12 by 1K and you averaged like 250, or 242, 241. Was that the yeah, same kind of like training block? Yeah, that, that was in the same training block. So this was all after the marathon. So that, that's the thing, like in six weeks I did the marathon, that 12 5K, the 10-mile session, the 5K, and then have to go my fastest tempo and then have to go into the 10K. So I was like thinking like, bloody hell, like after this rest period, I'll probably be in definitely yeah. very, very good shape. But I've absolutely killed myself these last six weeks. And of course it's horrible because um, I was listening to someone else and – almost when you do a race you almost want the race to go as well as possible but if it doesn't go well you almost have to look back at the training like tell yourself okay have i ever done this training before and like i was saying to myself no i haven't so i that's why i took positively because i was i was i I just thought about like i've put all this time and effort into it i've had such a good training block and it'll help me for the future even though the race didn't go well but yeah i just had to think of that as the positive yeah, and you've named it now, like you're talking about how much you've learnt and stuff from it, so it's you know, yeah. hopefully a mistake you don't make in the future. And it all did show what we're talking about is, I think it was, was it the European Cup, which was the UK trials for the yeah. um, for the Olympics? So that was your kind of chance to, to get named on the Olympic team for the 10K. Um, we spoke before about Dave McNeil was kind of pacing it. Uh, the, yeah. wa- the wave lights were there, and I think you were you were pretty aggressive too at the early stages of that race, weren't you? Yeah, so that all I could think of was on that day was I wanted that time. And I went, I remember um, after the first like, a lap and a half, Dave McNeil and I forgot who the other pacer was, but they were like just ahead of the lights, but the lights almost caught up to me and I was in like the pack and I was like, oh, you know what? Fire is slowing this down. So I just, for from about 200 metres, I just get um, catch on to Dave McNeil. And I remember Mark Scott getting on the back of me and then, the French got Amdouni and they were all just on the back of me and I was just running to about three, four K just at like just behind the paces. And I was feeling, I was feeling strong, but, um, in a 10 K one lap too quick or one segment too quick and the legs just go. And 
I just remember that pain, like every lap was just getting slower and slower. But uh, yeah, I went into that race wanting that time and yeah, I wasn't looking back or anything. So if someone was slowing you down, I was going straight to the front. So that's how I like to race. And it resulted DNF, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And how was that? A like, bit of a shame. But... Yeah. How do you go when you have to step off? Like, is it something that affects you for a few weeks or a few days or you just put it behind you pretty quick? I was, I was very, very upset that night um so we had to stay in the athlete hotel again and i spoke to like i stayed for the event and um cheered on everyone and that but afterwards when you're like sat by yourself in a room and stuff and you're just thinking about what went wrong all you can think about is why you stopped and what you need to do in order to improve so the first week was hard like um i spoke to my parents about it i spoke to my coach about it and i just didn't want to think about running for a bit i just wanted to give my head some time time off um i remember the next day i just went straight to the pub and straight for a yeah. bit of a drinking spree with some some guys so, some mates so yeah that 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 helped a bit but i just didn't want to think about running for a while so it took i took like eight eight to ten days completely off and thankfully like towards the end of the break you almost want to miss running again thankfully i did but after that race, I was thinking, oh, I'm not going to enjoy the sport anymore. But, yeah, it really does help having that bit of a break, just staying off like a bit of social media and just enjoying yourself. So, yeah, it really did help that. Yeah, because, like, when you were following your progression, I know I first noticed you, like, when that world half result came in, and it was kind of like this fairy tale, like, unfolding. You're watching these results yeah. come in, you're watching the Strava sessions, and you're just like, whoa, this guy's got to hit this time and go to the Olympics. And like six months ago, I didn't even know who he was. And then you kind of saw that result and you're like, okay, there's a bit of a, a roadblock here. This is going to be really interesting to see how he responds to it. Yes. So that was yeah, that, that's yeah. the main thing. That, that's the main thing. They say like everyone has like bad days and stuff. And I think for me, because I don't tend to like, I've only dropped out a, ha- a couple of times. And because I think the worst thing was, I think I felt like a lot, a lot of people down. So um, finishing the race, like not finishing the race and the fact I thought I let people down was even worse. But then a lot of people like, you know, like like the running community, um, a lot of people following me on Strava were so lovely and so nice. They actually messaged me and made sure I was all right. So to have that, to have those people behind me was just unreal as well. And it was an interesting night for, well, it was interesting for us watching on this side of the world because um, I think a lot of us assumed that Mo Farah might have made that team. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was kind of, you know, seeing him drop off when we usually see him move up and then kick home, he kind of got spat out the back pretty quick. Yeah, it was, it was such a shame because, I mean, he didn't look amazing towards the end. But then um, what I found a bit unfair really was, because, you know, two, three, two, three weeks later, British yeah. champs, they put on another friend. They didn't let anyone know. They didn't let me know. Like, I was thinking... If they had let me know that night, I could have almost spent two weeks just getting refreshed and then giving it another go. Yeah, nothing, and I know nothing to lose there, at, that, but... at that stage, is there? Exactly. And um, I could have refreshed. I could have used used those next two weeks to almost get my legs back into no do any sessions and just give it a go. But, yeah, like, not, well, because they absolutely love Farah, they just put on the event for him and they didn't let anyone else know, which I thought was a bit unfair really so when did you hear that that event was happening like you've been at the pub for seven oh. days at this stage 
<laughs> um, two days before the event, literally okay, really, a yeah. day or two before the yeah. So it was, it was absolutely crazy, and there were quite a few people in that race who found it very unfair because, like, it it was almost like the Golden Boy show, and um, yeah, there was nothing there was nothing I could do because, like you said, I've been in the pub for seven days. Like, I couldn't get back into um, fitness straight away, and yeah, it was. I, I did think he was going to do it there because he had like three, four paces. He had Basher Abdi, but apparently it was a really windy, cold day. Um, yeah, we had Ryan Gregson and Dave McNeil, I think, as well that day, two Australians. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so do you know, when did Farrah find out? Like, was it the day after that, that oh. first race or like, was it pretty late for him as well? I, I, I'm not too sure, but I imagine it would have been the day after because he were, I think he went back to Font or something for a bit of a training block for like a week and a half. Yeah. So I imagine it was like almost the day after because he hasn't really done anything else since then. Um, mm. So yeah, I think it would have been on the Sunday. Yeah. Let's talk about your half marathon, sixty thirty one, uh, world half marathon champs. Your half marathon progression. I've just got some times written down here. Um, Two thousand seventeen. I've got a seventy minute and seven and seven seconds at the Great North Run. Yes. Two thousand eighteen, sixty four oh three. 2019, 62.02, 2020, 60.31. What happened between 2017 and 2018? Take like six minutes off your best. Um, so I was, so this was before university. It was When I did that, it was the Great North Run and it was literally a week before I went to university or like a three, four days. And I didn't have a proper coach. I didn't have a proper training plan. I was literally just going out for runs. And at that time, I was very much into triathlon. So I was just doing, I was just doing stupid mileage the whole time. Oh, sorry, mate, you're yeah, still so there. I doing, Thought you cut out for a second. Oh, yep, that you're good. Keep going. So I was just doing stupid mileage, and I wasn't, I wasn't doing any sessions. I was just running for the fun of it. Still playing Sunday league football, so I wasn't in the best sort of shape. And then when I came to university, I was like, oh, there's actually a group I can run with, and there's a coach who's actually going to set me sessions. And I genuinely think just a year of following a training plan, doing the exact same thing almost each week, and sometimes it does get boring, but I just said to myself, get this done, um, run each day, follow, get the sessions done, and you're going to run something, you're going to reap the benefits. And then when I went to Cardiff, I didn't expect to run that quick, but I knew from sessions and the structure I was following, I could run quite a good time. Can you remember what the training week looked like then? Like Talk us through like a Monday to Sunday. Um, do you mean just a general one? Yeah, or like, like you said it was pretty repetitive. Like what did that first, it's almost like your first year of being a being a runner, like following a bit of a structure and by the sounds of it, like it sounds like that 70.07 was just almost off natural kind of ability and triathlon yeah. training. But what did that 2018 look like to be able to string 12 months together and to run 64.03? So I did... So on a Monday, like um, we sometimes had group runs, or we had I do progressions. So now e- each year my progressions have got quicker on a Monday. So it'll be eight to ten miles where I do start at say four fifteen, four ten per k, and then get down to well, right now I've got sometimes got down to a sub three, but it tended to be like three fifteen, three twenty back in twenty eighteen, and that would be for the morning, and then occasionally some strides and then in the evening i would do six miles six miles recovery month 
Yeah, so that's a, so a big – and is that big Monday off the back of a Sunday long run? Like would you be doing yes. that on tired legs? Yeah, okay. So that's a pretty big two yeah, days yeah. in. Yeah, and then, and then on the Tuesday it would be six miles easy in the morning and then um, a session. So it would be anywhere like 10 to 14 miles in the session. So I, I generally – I've just followed this structure for the last three years and it seems like it's paying off quite well. Yeah, and, sounds hard, but yeah, obviously it's paying off. Yeah. And then on a Wednesday is very easy. Um, it's like now I'm doing 14, but it's normally 12. It was 12 to 14 miles at about 4.15 to 4.20 per K. So it's very chilled. And I'm very much into heart rate, so I just want to keep the heart rate as low as possible. Um, so that then, for you would be like 125, like 130? Like yeah. that'd be pretty low? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be about 125 to 135, depending on, like, the session the night before, um, how tired you are on that. Yep. And then on a Thursday, it's 8 to 10, 8, 8, after 8 to 10 miles, I'm um, steady. So, in each training block, the steadies get quicker. So, we start, like, 3.35, and I was getting down to, like, 3.15 for, like, 8 to 10 miles steady, just, just, like, almost straight out the door. First mile, a bit easier, and then you just get into it. Um... And then again, six miles in the evening, Friday again, six miles in the morning, then a 10 to 14 mile session in the evening. Saturday was about, I, I, I'm very much into cross training. So I would either go on the cross trainer, a bike on a Saturday if I wanted to, or do six to eight miles of running. And then... And like, would you do workouts on the cross trainer or like just like base fitness stuff? Like what would you do on the cross trainer? So right now, because I'm building back up, um, because sometimes on a cross run, if you're just going out easy for a, a specific number of minutes, it can be quite boring. Yeah. So I almost do like sessions like I would do in running, but on the cross runner, but then focus on heart rate. So if my heart rate is getting a bit high, just take back the intensity, like lower down the level, um, take back the RPM. It, it's really good. And that's what I tend to do. And I just replicate the sessions from my running onto the cross trainer and try and get my heart rate at similar levels when it's a session day. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, and you're just not getting that pounding from the, you know, the pavement. Exactly. Putting that stress through your body, but you're still getting exactly. the, the fitness gains. Yeah, so before, like, London in two weeks' time now, um, I'm ref- I'm not doing any double run days. I'm just doing, um, like, for example, after this, I'm going to go on the cross trainer for 45 minutes, get the heart rate to what it normally is for a run, and save the legs for the pacing job because I just feel like I get so fit from it and at the end of the day like your body doesn't know what you're doing your body your heart's just like if you if you can get your heart rate to the same sort of level on the cross trainer your body doesn't know what you're doing and you're gonna get the same benefits mm-hmm. so i'm very much into it and i think quite a few um uk-based athletes do quite a lot of cross training too i've, I've heard like alish mccolgan does it callum hawken goes on the bike quite a bit and um Sarah Davis so there's there's quite a handful of us who do quite a lot of cross training and is this something that James puts into your program or you just independently like know when your body needs it and like it's going to work with your life and can fit it into the week um we spoke about it we have spoken about it previously but I think because I used to do a bit of cross um um triathlon training it's almost essentially because you go on the bike um I just swapped it with a cross trainer and it's, it's very fun, like, especially when it's in the winter and it's like three degrees. I, I, I could say, nah, screw that. I ain't going out. I have a cross train in the garage. I'll just go in that. And you just get to just chill out, watch something on the computer, 
and I, I generally felt um, like it's really saved my legs and that's why I'm able to do these sessions. It sounds like with you though, because we're like I've heard people talk about cross training before, but they'll do the cross training instead of their like second run for the day. But you seem to still do the second run most days, but then this just must be like or you know, maybe one or two days of the week. Yes. So right now because when I'm when I'm hitting like my max mileage, I try and keep one cross um, a cross trainer in once a week. So, you know, you said like on a Monday, I'll do like a long run on the Sunday, then a progression in the morning. It tends to be on the Monday evening because it just saves my legs a bit more mm. because like I've done a big heavy mileage over the last 36 hours, say 24 hours. Um, so it just gives my legs that bit more time recovery. And then I know once I've done the progression in the morning, my next harder effort is going to be in 36 hours time the Tuesday evening. Yeah. So I try and keep it in there. But when I'm, building back fitness like i said like for the next two weeks i'm just doing cross trainers every day basically instead of a double run day and um yeah so it i i do generally believe how beneficial cross training actually is yeah so that's pretty much penciled into your saturday and then your sunday a long run like time on feed or you kind of clip along at a decent pace there um so it's anywhere from so it'll be 16 to 20 miles and we tend to like a normal long run will be will be sub 345 per k so sub, sub six minute miling average or like um, from the from the door um average so we'll start like six that so start at about 415 410 we're quite lucky because the first mile tends to be downhill from our house yeah so we can just get into quite a nice rhythm and yeah so that's that's the week for me and then i do two strength-based sessions so in the gym on a wednesday and sunday yeah okay so my co-host like brad who he sent through one of the questions and one of his was how has he managed to develop like such strength at such a young age and i think just by listening to your training like it just sounds like you're so strong and if you've been doing this since like 2018 when you ran that 64 you can see how that half marathon's um got down to 60 30 because you've just got stronger and stronger every year you've been able to put that kind of training together yeah i like um yeah it's been really good but like you said i think i I heard you have a little giggle there when i said about the monday progression because it it, like when i look back at the training i've done like i think how the hell am i supposed to do this each week but once i get into like a good rhythm and because i've been doing it for the last few years um i'm able to do it and it's very much so if i'm tired one day like for example if i'm very tired after a session i won't do the steady i'll just keep it easy or go on the cross trainer so it works really well and yeah i've just been following the same program and i think i might for the next few years so hopefully i don't get too bored yeah no it wasn't so much a giggle it was more just like a astonishment i'm like how you manage to, <laughs> like because some people need you know some people might do that long run and then they need 48 hours before they even start thinking about <laughs> doing anything quicker than four minute case but it just shows though that's how you've got so strong and this is why you're running at such a high level because um you know you can put weeks like that together which does lead us to, we're still talking about your half marathon here, by the way. You're 60-31, 18th at the World Champs. Um, you were in the lead pack for a long time there. I know Julian Wanders was off the front. And I remember seeing a bit of you kind of in fifth or kind of 10th spot there. Uh, a big PB, like you ran pretty much a 90-second PB for the day. You crossed the finish line, hands in your kind of, um, or he- head in your hands, kind of couldn't couldn't believe it yourself, I think. Like, it must have been such an amazing yes. experience. Yeah, it was it was crazy. So, because we went through when we went through the ten k, 
I was still with the league pack and I was thinking to myself, should I just hit the front and see what happens? But I think, I was saying to my coach, I think all these Africans, if they saw this um, young, small, white kid at the front, they would have absolutely just dropped me. They would have just dropped the hammer. So um, I was quite glad I didn't do that. And it was actually the first time I met Sebco properly. And I just remember just crying in front of him. So I'm not, if people ask him about me, they might, he might just say, yeah, he's the, the boy who just cries. Pretty emotional so. guy. <laughs> so um no nah, but it was that was like it it's one of those races i imagine like you can have it a lot of other people can have it where you almost want to repeat the last 500 meters like every day mm. just go through that go back through those senses and yeah it was an incredible day did were you surprised yourself or did you think you were in that kind of shape before the race um so when i ran 6202 the year before i was like comparing sessions and i was actually smashing the sessions and I knew I was in very good shape. Like I knew I was in very low 61 shape, but just, when, when you go to these races, like the African stuff, they just take it out as hard as possible. And I just found myself in a nice group. And I remember when, when I did get dropped by the fast guys, there were these two, three Moroccans cause they, they love working together as a team. And I just ran with them for the majority of the race. And yeah, when I crossed that finish line, I was very surprised cause I didn't think I'd run that quick. But when you look back, I, I had almost the easiest time of my life because I didn't have, there was not at one stage, I was basically running by myself. I was just picking people off or running in a group. Yeah, I was going to say that, like the World Half Marathon champs, and you can see it in the finishing footage, like you're all crossing the line within seconds of each other. Like it's it's never, yeah. you know, some of these bigger races, and I know you want a one half marathon a couple of weeks ago um, in the yeah. city of London there, like you would have spent a big chunk of that by yourself and kind of, you know, not having not having someone you can kind of just work off in a way. So it would be good to just be sitting in those packs and, and you know if you lose, you know, 10 seconds in the last couple of Ks, there's going to be 10 guys who go past you and they're pretty yeah, important exactly. spots when you're at World Champs as well. So, yeah, yeah must have been an amazing experience that one and, um, yeah, you got oh, you that. And, and it was a bit controversial in the end because you got the third fastest UK time behind Farrah and Hawkins, but um, you took down... Steve Jones's Welsh record, but then you're English, right? But you were living in Wales, and then you were running for Wales for a while, but then you didn't accept the record and went back to running for England. Have I got that right? Yes. Yeah, yep. so I was probably, at that time, one of the most hated Welshies <laughs> by the farmers. <laughs> um, because I'd been living in Wales for three years, I didn't really put any thought into it, but you can... Want, I think it's like when you live in a country for three years, you can almost transferred to their allegiance you have to show that you've been living here so we had to show like some paperwork um that we've been living here all throughout the summer and i didn't really think about it when when i it was only like a two weeks later when i crossed that line i was like i'm like the welsh half marathon record holder but i've taken it off steve jones who used to hold the world record for the yeah, marathon chicago we've had and, him on the show actually yeah. oh really yeah yeah sophie who does some interviews for us sometimes she was coached by him over in um boulder for a while there and then yeah she oh, yeah, did like yeah. a big like 90 minute episode with him which was yeah really good one of the kind of yeah the the bigger name interviewees we've had but now you're bigger because you've taken down his record <laughs> by 30 seconds <laughs> yeah uh, it was just crazy because i remember like after the race about three four days later he calls me and i get this yeah. random phone number from boulder was he angry yes no, he wasn't angry. He was saying how happy and proud he was, but he had such a he has such a strong Welsh accent. I honestly couldn't really <laughs> understand him too well. And I was thinking, like, 
how have I taken this record off him? I the only word I know in Welsh is a raff and that's slow because you see it on all the roads. And I was thinking like I I I am not Welsh. Like I have no family in Welsh. My best mates are Welsh, but I I just live in Wales. And I almost felt quite bad, so I had to have a big chat about it with my parents and coach. And I was like, I'm just not happy representing country. Like it's almost if I went to say Commonwealths and everyone I train with, most people are Welsh here. And I'd almost be taking a spot from a person who I don't even, like, I don't even represent the country. I'm not even from the country. So it's almost a fact of, like, feeling bad, like, almost feeling bad if I did it. So I just said, look, I just need to speak to some people. Um, I, I spoke to Welsh Athletics. They were so lovely about it. They were so nice about it. And, yeah, so I said to them, look, I, I just, my parents are English. My, my whole family's in England. I used to live in England. So can I just go back to being English? And it did take quite a long time. Like, I just put it on Instagram and it went on BBC Sports, so I did get quite a bit of hate for it. But yeah, and then after the change back about a week later, I got a call up saying, "Oh, is it all right if we take the record off you?" And I was like, "Yes, please take it off." <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to keep his record. So, so why did you yeah, change originally thing. though? Like, did Welsh Athletics like were they keen for you to run for him because you were living there and kind of didn't didn't think that this situation would arise? Uh, I think I, I didn't really put any thought into it, and it was almost like the easy option because I was because I knew I wanted wanted to live here for a few more years, and I just didn't really because the option came and I just jumped at it. You know, it was almost my first thought. I was like, oh, um, I can run for these guys. I still live here, but then I didn't really have a chat with my parents about it, and I think a month later I was like, what am I doing? Like, I don't feel happy running for this country. I'm not from. And yeah, it was just a it was just a mistake I made, which um, yeah, I, I wouldn't really take back because it's given me an insight into how much I want to run for England. Whereas if I had like just stayed with England, I might not have have, have this feeling. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like it's the right choice I've made. Now Farah's got the record. What's the English record then for the half marathon? I think. So, you know the Great North Run, because it's like, yeah, it's hill. too far. Yeah, He's run like 59.10 there, but I think, I believe it's 59.30 or 59.35. Okay, so that's so, a new goal. Got to get that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd love that one. <laughs> yeah. So then, let's talk about your marathon. Then I've got a whole list of like quick questions we can fire in here, because this marathon, uh, I think it was meant to be the Rexton Elite Marathon, but it was at Cheshire yeah. in the end. You were yeah. um, you were down a pace, I reckon. Was it Callum Moody, a cat New Zealand guy that was in the lead pack? You were kind of pacing, yes. yeah, yes. yeah, yep. Yeah. And okay. you ended up finishing though. He he was going for the Olympic qualifying time at two eleven thirty. I think he just missed it like two eleven thirty seven or something like that. You might yeah. know the exact time, but you yeah, ran off the front and um, you ran two eleven zero zero. Tell us about this day. <laughs> yeah, this was yeah probably one of the stupidest things I've ever done, but at the same time, it was just so funny. Um, I went, I went that's pace cause Mike Charrington, who, um, creates a race messaged me and asked, Oh, it'd be lo- It'd be great if you could pace it. And I'd done, I'd done the pace, the, um, Olympic trials about three, four weeks before in Kew Gardens. So, and that's I've done right, like, yeah. I, with I Callum paced, too, wasn't I, it? Yes. Yeah. So I, and I paced Brett Robinson. So I know, I almost know what the pace feels like. And I was like to myself, oh, it's going to be five-minute miles, just see how far they can go. And me and this other guy called Phil Sesson, we turn up on the day, and I was only supposed to go to 15 miles. And at the same time, the half marathon was on. 
So we were pacing both events, the half and the marathon, just when the half, when it comes halfway, they just turn off at a, at a point. Can I just ask, and how far did you go at Kew Gardens when um when you paced Tomo to get the, the time? Oh, so 18 miles? 18 miles. So this one was 15 miles. You've already done 18 miles at, you know, a yes. bit, at similar kind of pace, so this was going to be an easy job for you. Yes. So I remember as well when I when I was pacing Kew Gardens, Callum was keep, kept saying to me, just finish, just finish. And I was like, mate, no, nah, not yet. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, so when I went into this marathon, um, I had like, I went into 15 miles and I remember Callum was like saying to me, um, the guy I was pacing, he was like to me, because it was a lap course, he was like, can you just do one more lap? So I was like, okay, I'll do another lap. We get to 18 miles, he's like, oh, can you just try and stay in for as long as possible? I was like, okay, I'll do one more lap. And then I was thinking, okay, there's two more laps left. Like, I wasn't thinking about how many miles. I was like, there's two more laps left. There's Olympic time on the cards. And with a lap to go, because I had paced him the whole way, um, I could tell he wasn't struggling, but I could tell he was hurting a bit. And I was constantly like looking back, shouting at him, saying, come on, come on, you've got this. And I think I said to myself, I think I got a little bit nervous, but my last lap was my quickest lap because I was like, I want this time. I want it. Like I've run this far and helped him this much. I just want this Olympic time. So, yeah, I just went, went for the last lap and... Yeah, and then crossing that line, I was like, "What the hell have I done?" Um, I didn't, I didn't call my coach for a while because I was like, "He's going to be absolutely pissed off at me." And <laughs> um, yeah, my mum at mile fifteen was screaming at me. Luckily, she had all the bags, so she couldn't like jump at me or take me off the run the course. But I genuinely think if my coach was there, he would have probably stepped on and taken me off. But yeah, it was it was incredible. So it brings up an interesting situation because at this stage, the Olympic team's picked. So you hit the qualifying time, but you're not going to go to the Olympics because your team was already picked. The trials had already happened. Um, It's then kind of, as we mentioned before, it's made you potentially tired to try and get the 10K time. Yeah. But it's also shown that you can run 211.00, which is an amazing debut time in a race where I'm guessing you would have prepared a bit differently if you knew you were going the full distance. I'm not sure how many gels or anything like that you had. So it must also give you a lot of confidence that when marathoning, um, you know, a career in marathoning comes comes to you. Yeah, so I um, I only had one gel. I didn't have any water or anything for right. the way because yeah. I, was, I was thinking, I was like, I'm going to stop at mile 15. So I, I asked my mum to hand me the gel at mile 12. And every lap, people taking water and gels, and yeah, I I had one gel that whole time, and I don't I don't know how I did it. I think it was from all the Nutella I had the more that morning or something other. I really don't know, but yeah, it's a once in a lifetime thing. I just carried on, and yeah, I I must admit I had a lot of food after because I've never been so hungry in my life or thirsty. But um, yeah, that's probably something I should improve on next time. Maybe looking into taking gels and that. Yeah, and then, like, you didn't bonk at all? Like, you didn't feel like you were getting dizzy or wobbly legs? Like, you finished nah. finished strong by the sounds of things? Yeah, I think... I was saying to people, like, you know when you go into a marathon, you're training for a marathon, you are so nervous. Whereas because I went into it thinking, I'm just pacing, I'm just helping people out. Never once did I think about myself. I was just thinking about everyone else and how they were feeling. So I was like, when we went past the water station, I was like, do you guys want water? So I'd go and collect the water for them. And because I wasn't thinking about how I felt, the miles just went by a lot quicker. 
and I wasn't very nervous for it or anything. So I generally think the fact I knew I was a pacer really helped me, like, mentally. Mm. Yeah, it takes all the pressure off and just can relax. Exactly. And you probably burn less, you know, carbs and stuff when you're relaxing and stuff exactly. as well. So then, like, you run 211.00. Like, the three people we sent to the Olympics, Liam Adams, 210.48, Brett Robinson, 210.55, Jack Rayner, 211.06. Like, you're right there. Like, do you jump into marathons now and start making a career out of it, appearance fees, world marathon majors, um, those kind of things? Like, is it time for you to do that? Um, so I was having... Selection, uh, like, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people have asked me about it and said, when are you next marathon? And, like, uh, the the main thing I say to them is, you know when you wore the, watched the Tokyo Olympics, you saw Kipchoge put in that such fast 5K? Yeah. Yeah. And I tried to replicate that two weeks ago at the London Big Half. So I said, I'll just stick with the leaders and then the last 5K, just see what I have left. And, like, my goal in the future, I would love to win a medal at the Olympics. And I know I'm going to be a marathon runner when I'm older. But in order to win these champs, I need to get quicker over the short distances. So you've seen, like, I've only run 3.48 and only run 8 flat. Like, Kichogi's run 7.30, whatever. Um, he's broken four minutes for the mile. So I'm actually yeah. stepping down distances this winter and I'm doing a 3K indoors going for the world indoor time. Um, because in order for me to, like, try and win medals, like, that's what my goal is in life to win medals and in order to do that i need to get quicker with the shorter distances yeah so I, I just need to be able to go with these surges so when people ask when your next marathon is i'm saying not for a while because i really want to run quick over the shorter stuff so when i do step up i can go with these surges i won't miss them out and then i can actually compete so when you say quick like you're you're pretty much telling me yeah you've just listed off these 210 to 11 guys but you want to be a 2526 guy like it's no problem oh, that, yeah is that what we're thinking yeah. Yeah, that like I would love. I I want I want to go for that British marathon record, like two o five, whatever far around. Like that is my aim, and in order to do that, like y- you've seen what Farah's run, like you've seen the times he's put down, and in order to do that, I need to run quick over the short stuff. Yeah. Um. So I'm actually going to step down and do some three Ks this winter, um, and then next summer focus on the ten K, just because I just want to get quick over the short distances. And then in the future, I'll be able to go with the lead group. I'll be able to sit with these surges. So it should be exciting times. It's a pretty um, like patient and disciplined kind of approach because like you're saying that and you could focus on the 10K and potentially, because you guys have got, you know, Mark Scott over the 10K, like a pretty, yeah. com- it's pretty competitive, especially for world champs, maybe not so much com games because there's going to be more singlets available. But there could be a yeah, chance yeah. where you potentially miss a singlet at the world champs and com games whereas you could probably easily or not easy but it'd be easier to get a singlet if you focus on the marathon is that yeah, fair, fair it, statement like yeah, yeah that's completely fair but I, I love being competitive and like in order to be the best you want to be the best and like I, I i i still feel like i need to show people like i am good at the over the 10k because like my last 10k i didn't finish yeah. So it's almost like at the back of my mind, I would love to run the time. Yeah. And because um, there are some class athletes who do the marathon, but there's not like, there's only like a handful of guys who do the marathon, like who have run under the time. Whereas yeah. when you look at um, the other times and the distances before, like you've seen the 1500 and the 800 in Britain, it's crazy right now. And 
over the shorter stuff, there's some, like in the 5K, Britain's getting a lot stronger. So I just want to compete and just enjoy these races and see how I can do over the shorter stuff because if I get better at the shorter stuff, when I do step up the marathon, it'll just feel so much better. Yeah, and I guess... Sorry, I was just going to say, I guess the response is like, yeah, you could maybe get that marathon singlet and aim for top 25 at the World Champs, whereas if you put it on hold for four years, you're going there aiming for top five. Like, it's a different yeah, exactly. a different situation. Exactly. So, and what one of my biggest things is in training and races, I need to make whatever the pace is for the marathon feel easy. Yeah. And in order to do that, I just need to run quicker and then... When I do step on that line, I'm like, oh, this feels this feels steady, this feels good, and I can do this for that long. What about um, the career side of things? Like, I know you do run. Is it a sports store that kind of sponsor you at the moment? Like, but um, no, no contract with a, with a brand. So I'm with I'm working with Sports Shoes at the minute, and they've been so helpful with me. They've like sent me a lot of kit, um, let me try on the new shoes, and I've helped them with some like advertisement and that and. I wear their singlets, but no, there's no contract. I don't have, I don't get any money from them. Um, don't get any money from other sponsors or anything like that. So it's just like a waiting game and seeing seeing what else I have to do to hopefully get sponsored one day. Yeah, is it hard in the UK like to break into that scene? Um, so I know over this time there's been quite a few people who have been sponsored now, but I know over these next couple of months because you know tracks finished. Um, there's a bit few renewals with contracts and um, so because the renewals are going on I don't know whether some brands are looking into me but it, it's just a waiting game but I know I do know it, it can be quite hard and I've listened to quite a few podcasts and that and people say running is quite hard sport because you can put everything into it but you almost you might not get much out of it like there's not actually that much running there's not much money in running like all in order to win big, you have to do all these major championships, like these major races. And for the like odd person in, in Britain, they might not be able to get there. So it is hard, hard sport to keep going. And if you're not sponsored, it can be quite difficult to keep going. Yeah, which chucks in that other component of why to go to the roads and the marathons with the with a bit yeah, more exactly. money around with the appearance fees, which went, you know, and the performances could then lead to the contract. So, yeah, it's exciting times times ahead for that one. Hey mate, a couple yeah. of uh, a couple of random. I've nearly taken up your four hour here, but a couple of random questions Sorry. for you. Um, when we see you on TV in some of the Instagram photos, when we're watching your race, I think at the Great North Run on the weekend, when you were yeah sprinting, finishing with Galen Rupp there in the home straight, you tend to have odd shoes on, same kind of shoe but different colours. What's going on there? So, uh, it happens at the. Um big half in 2020 i was like you know what i'm just gonna go into running because in in order to run well you are you need to enjoy it and i I just wanted to have a bit of fun so i wore odd shoes so the pink and green you know old vapor fly yeah the og kind of like green one yeah yeah. they were amazing and they're still the best ones i I reckon they still felt the best yeah without a doubt like these new next cent twos i wore them for the big um big half and i said to my agent i was like then I got massive blood vista. They just don't feel as comfortable. So I had to go to the old vapor flies. But if if oh, if I can get hands on those green and pink ones, I hundred percent would. Yeah, it's um, like the foam just feels a bit firmer in the second yeah, ones as well. Does. Yeah. But anyway, we've and, got shoe critics here. But yeah, so like, <laughs> but then what happens if the green ones got two hundred miles in it and the pink ones got like a hundred miles in it? Like, can uh, you notice a difference? 
yeah, so I did I did have to play it quite smart because I was wearing the green ones quite a bit. So I was like, okay, how many miles have I done in this pair? I need to do like a similar amount in the pink ones. And I think I got it slightly wrong. So one was a bit firmer than the other, but yeah it, it was all right it looks good gets people talking and sometimes i've noticed you've got like stuff written on your shoes like what's what's that is it just you drawing pictures or people that inspire you or what's going on um so i don't know why i thought about this but i know well keely hodgkin a lot of people say i copied keely hodgkinson because she she's written on, on her spikes and that on the black but i must admit her shoes look a lot better than mine mine i don't have i don't very i'm not very artistic so um at both events, I was like, you know what, just make it a bit of fun. Because um, in order to, like, you want to go into these races, you just want to have a bit of fun, and it takes a bit of the pressure off. Like, you're spending an hour or two drawing, and the second time before Great North, I got my girlfriend to draw it, and it's just random things. Like, there were, like, Pokeballs on it. I wrote down, I drew the Reading, because I sport Reading FC in football. I did the logo. I drew the Bermuda flag because I was born there. So it's just random things. Then you write like odd PVs on them. So it's just it's just quite good fun, and it gets people talking. And yeah, it just takes the pressure off it. And I I I don't know why I've got into it, but we'll see what happens for the next few races. And tell me about yeah, I didn't have this plan for the next question, but you kind of referred to it then, like your upbringing. Like you spent some time as a kid in Hong Kong, and you just said where you were born, like why the travel i think you went back to the uk when you're like 15 16 so like what was your childhood like so i was born in bermuda and i lived there for a year because my parents oh um, my parents were both accountants in bermuda and they got married there so they had me and then both their firms moved out to hong kong um and i grew up there for 14 15 years both my sisters were born there and it was almost like because Hong Kong's it's a 12 hour flight um for the grandparents we weren't because all my grandparents all my family lived in England it, it was getting to a stage which was very hard for them to come back to Hong Kong just because of the flight and my parents decided to come back to the UK um go to different schools um when I was 16 and it worked perfectly because my younger sister was about to start a new secondary school my other sister was about to start GCSE and I was about to start A level so it was like the perfect time to go and Hong Kong is a different world. It's it's crazy. Like it's such a small little country, but there's like seven million people, and I I loved living out there. Everything was so close, but the humidity and pollution. Like I, my parents put like a cap on how long I could run for, hmm. just because how dangerous it was. And <laughs> it, there were times when I'd be running down a mountain, and honestly, wild monkeys would chase you, or wild snakes would like just be around you. And I know. In Australia, you probably have more dangerous animals, but at the time, I was like, "This is crazy!" And yeah, it was it was amazing bring, um, being born there. Yeah, yeah, cool story. I'm pretty unique upbringing. Not many people have got that kind of situation to refer to. Um, yeah. What about who inspires you in running? Like, I know you've stood on the podium with Bikili before. He's in action this weekend, actually in Berlin. So it'd be interesting to see how yes. he goes. You know, you paced with um, Calm Hawkins and you paced Chris Thompson that day. You spoke about uh, Mo Farah, maybe not him, the way you were spoken about him before as an inspiration, <laughs> but like, who do you look up to in the world of distance running? I think oh, I'm such a fan, like you just mentioned him, Bikaili. Like, I think he's the greatest distance runner ever. And like, th- that's what I want to do because I look at him and look at the marathon time he's run. But then again, you look at the shorter stuff he's run and 
I think he's like Kachiga. They've only been able to do this because they've run so quick over the shorter stuff. And when I was on the podium with him the other last year, I was like, it was mad just to be in a race with him. It was absolutely crazy. And I have like a little video, like photos with him. So it was, yeah, I would say he's like been the inspiration because he's very much like, you know, a few years ago when he did step up to the marathon, he was dropping out of quite a few and he didn't have the results. And people were saying, was it stupid for him to do the marathon? But then, I mean, he just, he just comes out and runs that crazy time a year, two years ago. So he's, he's like the most hardworking person I've ever seen or ever met. And what's he going to do this weekend? What's your prediction? Uh, well, I mean, he's he's spoken about the world record, hasn't he? So uh, we'll, we'll have to see. But I, I would, because I'm out of the two, even though I love them both, I'm I'm fan of Bekele more. I'm like Team Bekele, so I'd love him to break the world record. Yeah, Bekele seems a bit more human. Like Kipchoge is so consistent and just nails oh, it every yeah. time. And it's just like, oh, this guy's just too good. <laughs> so like, yeah, Bekele's a bit of the bad boy. He's got that kind of reputation. Yeah. He could end up in the gutter, could end up kind of talking big game and then not running well at all. But you know, at least he's going to be um, getting an appearance fee or something somewhere. Oh, yeah, it'd be nuts. I I would love to know what how much he's making from these races. Yeah, and then a um, couple more for you. So, like, your yes. life balance at the moment, like, I think you're at Cardiff Uni, sports development, like, you're still studying there? Oh, I'm, I'm at Cardiff Met, but I'm doing a master's now in strength and conditioning. Okay, yep. Yeah, so I'm, I'm doing that, and then, um, yeah, and then it's just training around it, really. So many contact hours, like, you fit that in pretty well? So we get our new timetable in a week's time because, you know, the freshers just coming back to the master's courses start a week or two weeks later. And I presume it'll only, it'll only be like a couple of days a week because I'm doing it on a part-time basis. So it means I can go to these races, go to these training camps. So it's really interesting. But honestly, last last term, they were trying to teach us a clean and jerk and I was getting absolutely humiliated by all the girls. I didn't know how to do it or anything like that. So Hopefully, I won't have to keep doing that every week. Yeah, runners are pretty good at running, but ask them to do other things where you need to start lifting stuff or pushing lawn mowers or any oh, of that no, kind of no, stuff. No. It sorts us out. Um, and then yeah, the last, the last two questions: favorite workout, something you kind of see or your coach tells you you're doing, and you just love doing it. Oh, uh, it's the K on K off for ten miles. Like it is my favorite. I think you can tell by the time I ran last last time I did it. It's my favorite ever one, but. Um, next time I do it I might not try and beat that because yeah. I think I looked at the rankings and it was the fourth fastest time ever over 10 miles in Britain so um yeah I might not try and run that quick next time yeah and uh the last one I often ask people have you got a book on the bedside table at the moment what are you reading at the moment or not a fan ah. of books like what's what's happening I'm actually reading this book called Foul so it's about the um the secret world of FIFA so it's about like Seb Blatter how he like not screwed up FIFA about how much he like cheating and stuff it's actually well good because I'm I'm very much into football football and that so it's quite interesting just reading up about how much money's invested in football and like how some of the guys at the top are just like taking the piss with it really that's interesting because I was talking to Aaron Scott today and he told me that you weren't that into football and you went for a run or something no. when like Germany was Germany was playing some semi-final against England or something football goes over no, our I... head down here in Australia but he said you try to be a big football fan but it's not true <laughs> no he takes piss because I had a session this was this was before the 10k and I it was a session on the Tuesday and I actually had up I brought my laptop with me to the session um I put on the semi-final in the Euros it was between England and Germany 
I had it on my laptop, and every time there was a recovery, I was watching it, and I got a message straight after the game from Aaron saying, you're such, you're not a football fan, you're just kidding around. Um, so, yeah, I got a bit of hate from him, but I would love to say so far this season, I've been to more football games than he has, because I went to the, because um, I support Reading, I went to their ho- uh, away game at Stoke for the first game this season, and I don't think he's been to any Ipswich games so far, so I think I can turn the tables and say he's the... He's not the football fan out of the us two. Okay, stitch me up there because he wrote, can you also ask him, <laughs> as a supposed football fan, he supports a shit club too, why did he do a track oh, yeah. session during the England and Germany quarterfinal? But you had the <laughs> laptop there, that's all good. Uh, that book yeah. sounds very interesting. Well, mate, I've taken up a stack of your time. Um, I was doing oh, some research fine. today. You've been our, we've got two half marathoners quicker than you. We've been doing this for 203 shows. We've got Brett Robinson, who's ran 59.57. And Steve Monigetti's also been on the show, who ran 60.06. Oh, wow. But you've got the third spot at the moment, so that's uh, you're in some good company there. And you did kind of talk about how you, how you paced bread at London last year. And listeners can keep an eye out for you at the London Marathon next weekend now, isn't it? That's coming around quick. You'll be pacing there as well. Yes, uh, I promise I'll be pacing. I will be dropping out at the end. What, what pace are you going at and who's in your pack? So I'm pacing the World Champs time, so the 2.11.30 time. Yep. Um, and I have to stop at 30k so it's going to be I think it's going to be there's quite a few Brits who want it and I'm not too I'm really not sure who else is doing it like which countries are sending out athletes because I know it's fine it's um, some of the African countries they're finding it almost difficult to send some athletes so it just depends who's really there yeah okay yeah we got two females like Alwise Wellings and Sinead Diver they'll be in the women's elite field yes. but no males this time around but yeah, it'd be interesting. Hopefully, you get a bit of airtime. Yes, hopefully. Well, hopefully, because like they love showing the Brits, and because I'm pacing world champs time. But um, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. Awesome, mate. Uh, everything's on Strava. Watch your Instagram handle if yeah. the listeners want to follow along there as well. It's Jake Liam Smith ninety eight. Got a blue tick too, don't you? Pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying how I got that because I think people would be like, take the piss out of me for it. <laughs> oh, no, can you give us – we've had we've had this competition run in the last two days on our Instagram and we've had like five fake accounts start since we've had this competition oh, okay. going. So all our listeners are like, hey, just letting you know there's this fake account going around and it's DM and all our listeners telling them that they've won the competition. But I'm oh, like, wow. I swear if we had this blue tick, this issue wouldn't be there because people would know that our account has the blue tick. So you might have to tell me off air how you get these blue ticks – Yes. So we, uh, yes, we don't have to deal with this. Beautiful. Yes, All right, mate. Do. Well, thanks for giving up some time for, for the Inside Run podcast. I know there'll be uh, yeah, a lot of listeners following your journey going forward. And, yeah, we really appreciate the time you've given up for us this morning for you, this evening for me. No. No, thank you very much for having me on. No worries, mate. Hopefully uh, we're a bit yeah behind the times down here in Australia. All our borders are closed, but it'd be great to get over there and catch up with you for a run one day. Yes, I would love that. When you're back in, when you're in Cardiff. This episode of the Inside Running Podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance, Australia's leaders in sports micronutrition. Head to pillarperformance.com.au to learn more about their formulations for joint longevity, recovery, and energy. Doesn't matter if it don't come back.
Yeah.